Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. And my name is Stevie. No, <laughs> okay. no, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> it's Halloween, man. Gotta be scary. <laughs> um, wow. All right. In this show, I have two choices constantly. Join the bit or defy it. And, you know, I, I chose the latter there. <laughs> I'm glad, honestly. I needed to be put in my place, I think. <laughs> Uh, hey, welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of the show. It's episode number 110. Um, I just wanted to start off the episode by mentioning that there's a lot of cool stuff happening on our Twitch. A special extreme shout out to uh, Steven's Alien Isolation stream from the other night, which was an absolute joy. It was so fun. Uh, Thank I kept, you. I kept saying fun. in chat, like, I don't want to be that guy who keeps saying how much fun he's having at the party, <laughs> but I'm having so much fun. Uh, it was just, it was it was just nice. a dream. So that's available on YouTube. You can go watch it. It is... Uh, it sure is three hours long, but, you know, uh, break it up into chunks. Uh, it was fun. It was a really good time. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun to do. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking about Alien Isolation later, so just stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I have rolled the credits on Hades. I did that on stream, which was wonderful. Um, I'm taking this current week off, that, uh, the week that you're experiencing this episode in, dear listener, unless you're listening to it in the future, in which case I'm way back, baby. Um, but uh, I'll be back streaming more stuff in the mornings. Uh, um, soon and i'm excited to uh, discover what that is but if you want to see the end of hades uh you can go do that there's a playlist on our youtube as well uh, all those links are in the show notes so you yeah, know go check that out on top of that i think you and i wanted to talk about the bonus episode for this month yeah we're really excited so in the spirit of halloween uh we wanted to choose a seasonal game so we decided to cover the arkham trilogy uh by rocksteady arkham asylum arkham city and arkham knight i've only played arkham asylum not only that i just like my memory came flooding back when I played it. I've only played the demo. Like, I had the demo of Arkham Asylum, and I played the shit out of it. It was like, (laughs) it was like the first two hours of the game, so I just like kept going back to that. So, I'm kind of experiencing these for the first time, which is really interesting. Uh, We're going to have an awesome guest for the episode as well. We're going to be joined by uh, Tamar Hussein from GameSpot, which is really exciting. Yeah, so excited to finally have him on, yeah. Yeah, he's a big Batman fan. Honestly, it's kind of bittersweet that he wasn't our guest for Bloodborne, given his like, unparalleled love for that, but you know, It'll, it'll still be a great time so we're excited to have there was on. that there was that twitter uh that that like twitter trend going around of people saying like these are my 10 out of 10 games or these are four 10 out of 10 games from the last generation yeah. and and he had bloodborne there but he also had arkham knight up there yeah so you know if one or the other i'm glad we're gonna have him on yeah. regardless uh, i i have played all three i played all three when they came out i'm a huge fan of the arkham trilogy um i haven't played the other one, which I don't remember the name of at the Origins. moment. Origins. That's the one. I haven't played it. And also, I can't play it. I actually, like, literally tried to find it to be able to play it so I could, like, have an ace in the hole for the episode. I thought it would be fun to, like, pop out and be like, ha, I played this one, too. Yeah. Um, I actually liked Origins. Yeah. <laughs> ow, ow, ow. Uh, <laughs> but it's only available for the PlayStation 3, which I don't have anymore. So uh, I couldn't play yeah, it. It's worth noting we're, uh, at least Brennan and I are playing the, like, Return to Arkham Remaster trilogy. Yeah. It was on sale. I don't know if it's still is but it's asylum city and night all in one package yeah and it's great it's a really like you know they're from ps3 or at least the first two are but they look awesome except when it's the dialogue where it zooms in on their faces and they're like hello i need to find a vent it's like oh yeah everything else is really weird yeah (laughs) it's like a meet it's like the the medium close-up to oblivion's like wes (laughs) anderson-esque full (laughs) close-up 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's they're fun. I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, revisiting them. I was just saying before we started recording too. Uh, I I have played I played the the hour the first like hour of each of them. Um, I played the first hour of Asylum and then City and then Night and then ended up playing like another five hours of Night because I just I love that game so much and and I'm really excited to talk about it. It's gonna be great. Um, yeah, I wouldn't so, be surprised yeah. if that's the one we come up like most kind on because I feel like it's been long enough that the hype for all of them has kind of died down mm-hmm. so like i'll be interesting to see which one just stands up the best yeah city is the one that i think people look back on with the most fondness i think yeah. it seems like um that seems to be like the the kind of uh, ubiquitous opinion there uh a lot of people didn't like night specifically for the batmobile stuff which i think fucking rocks uh so i don't know <laughs> we'll see I'm, I'm really excited to have to talk about that episode anyway point being uh you can send us your questions on twitter on discord on instagram um f- carrier pigeon like however you feel like sending them to us just send us questions uh, about the arkham series um or honestly just whatever you want as long yeah, as or it's batman even, in general i was just about to say like, even batman adjacent is like fine you and tam are such big batman fans like i would love to hear you both like just sort of wax poetic about the series <laughs> that that goes so much like hand in hand with the games like it's a yes. no-brainer but like i think the reason these games stood out so much at the time was they were setting an example of like here are games made by people who wanted to make a batman game yes not like the movie came out stamp this on a streets of rage clone and call it a day uh, <laughs> yeah so, for real yeah. um it's a great point yeah i i'm uh I'm, I'm really excited to to do that episode i think it's gonna be awesome so anyway that's our bonus episode for a uh, spooky season which is gonna be really fun uh arkham yeah. knight also big halloween vibes it's all about scarecrow yeah. it opens on halloween night it's awesome I, I think yeah they all they all have a little i mean batman always has a little bit of a halloween vibe going on totally you know yeah. Yeah, he's not he's not a springtime hero, really. <laughs> springtime in Gotham. <laughs> uh, the penguins putting Easter eggs everywhere. <laughs> Hope you can find them, Batman. Um, yeah, actually, the only springtime Batman, you know, the summertime Batman is Adam West. Very summertime. Oh, yeah. Big summer vibes. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise halloween all the way you have to play arkham knight dressed in the adam west bat suit the whole time you have to go into the skins <laughs> menu or else you're not getting the full experience i mean that's what i did with uh with spider-man uh, i i did the homemade suit the whole game that's awesome so, like that's in so all good. those dramatic scenes where mj is like you can't keep doing this and i have like a you know sock pulled over my head <laughs> so funny i love that uh yeah. cool yeah so that's coming up um we're recording that towards the end of the month it'll be out you know probably at the end of the month if i had to guess yeah um, so get your questions in i'm excited totally. it's gonna be so fun i'm probably gonna be spending the next like week ish just playing batman stuff which is gonna be awesome really yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it maybe maybe now that it's out maybe i'll stream one of them uh, potentially but we'll see oh um, that'd be fun yeah I know, uh, speaking of Twitch, uh, this Friday, so two days after this episode comes out, Alia will be streaming Resident Evil Biohazard. I've been doing this thing where every Friday I do, like, the next kind of big scary game. Mm. And honestly, like, uh, we'll talk about Alien Isolation later for our spooky season segment, but that game has been, like, I think the doorway into me really enjoying horror. Because, like... Hell yeah. I have, like, my my horror experience has been so old school with, like, the Resident Evil and Silent Hill games. We'll talk more about that later, but... I'm very excited. So Friday will be Biohazard, and then the next Friday will be something else. So cool. Stay tuned. That's really exciting. Yeah. Um. One of the first streams I ever did, like ever, ever, was uh Batman Arkham Knight. Um. Mm, when we cool. when, when we uh 
for some reason started a video game website a couple of years ago uh that that is now defunct uh like literally the first stream i did to like kick off the that website was batman arkham knight which was really fun oh i love that game anyway uh oh. so that's that let's uh move on to some other stuff i guess we got a dm on twitter from uh, rob k who said uh, or was uh, i guess responding to a thing that i asked at the end of the last episode um brendan asked about opinions on 13 sentinels on the podcast this week i was raving about it in the discord chat a week or two ago but it is incredible and i definitely recommend it it's one of the best time travel stories i've ever played has big evangelion energy has fun mech strategy combat and covers a ton of different story and character archetypes across 13 different characters uh love the show appreciate the work you guys have put into it and the community around it thank you so much um thanks so uh, what i what i mentioned at the end of last episode was uh i was deciding between tokyo mirage sessions and 13 sentinels um and you and i had looked at 13 sentinels because we saw some people in discord talking about it um we've seen some praise for it yoko taro recently is like this is the best game of the year um which was like a big Might be enough for me yeah, yeah. it was big for me yeah I, so um, I we we ended up uh, landing on not picking that game up. I just wanted to mention, and I'm saying this in the podcast, so I'm like beholden to it. Essentially, uh, I'm going to get this game because I've seen a couple articles since receiving this DM um, that are just like this is like one of the most ambitious video games from like a narrative perspective, like of all time. Essentially, um, I think The Verge. It was either The Verge or inverse or input i don't know one of those had um those all sound the same sorry to anyone who works at any of those (laughs) um anyway uh there was an article on one of those publications that was like 13 sentinels is what was it it's just like binge watching uh an incredible sci-fi anime which like that's so my shit so i'm just like down for that so i'm gonna do that um that said I picked up Tokyo Mirage Sessions immediately after we recorded the last episode, which is why I did not pick up 13 Sentinels. So, yeah, I got Tokyo Mirage Sessions and then I immediately played 10 hours of it without stopping. I played 10 straight hours of this video game um, yeah. and then I bought it for you because you I demanded that you also play that, it. That has almost never happened. You never like... <laughs> proactively bit like there have been times where i'm like hey can we use the patreon to like buy a death stranding or whatever yeah um but you you told me you liked it and i was kind of like oh that's nice like cool and then you're like i need to buy you this because i really want to hear what you think about it yes because you're so uh smitten by it i guess worth covering like briefly what it is so this game uh i would say is like a cult hit on the wii u which like by definition if you were a hit on the wii u that's what you were like yeah. three people had it yeah this um, game sold like nothing on the wii u yeah like real i think it was like 13 thousand copies or something like that is not yeah, very good for a game that's like rough. this yeah. um, but it was it was announced in uh, I think one or two years ago in a Nintendo Direct that we covered they were porting it to the Switch because that was kind of the beginning of them like taking the games that were really beloved on the Wii U and putting them on the Switch yeah and this game was meant to be a collaboration between Atlas and Nintendo like more directly mm-hmm. um, so it was the idea of like let's Kingdom Hearts Fire Emblem with uh, Shimigami Tensei which uh, SMT or Shimigami Tensei is at this point like a giant franchise. There are a series of video games, spinoff material. The only real uniting force between them is like the appearance of different demons that are like from folklore and from various uh, myth and, and religion sometimes, which appear as personas in the Persona series. And, and yeah. as worth pointing out, Persona is a spinoff of SMT, but that's almost become its own thing. Like the, the connection between SMT and Persona has kind of diminished over the years. Yeah. Um, Remember that for later. Dear Remember listener. that for later. So this is this is them being like, let's 
let's do like a true Nintendo SMT collaboration. We'll get more into what this game is, but uh, I would say that even though it's an SMT Fire Emblem collaboration, I think it shares, it, it's clearly going for the more lighthearted tone that some Persona games have done mm-hmm. uh, rather than SMT, which is traditionally very grim. Like yeah. uh, Persona 3 is a game where you shoot yourself in the head to summon a Persona, and that was more lighthearted than most of the SMT games. <laughs> this game is is extremely bubbly and uh, has a vibe of its own. Um, I'll, we'll explore more like how all these different series like actually show up in the game, but I want to give the floor to you because you're like so smitten by this game. I, I also want to say to you on my end, I've only been able to put like three hours in, but I, I've played enough that I have thoughts on it. Yeah. Uh, but I want to hear what you think first because you've been so like taken by it. Yeah. I uh, just to clarify uh, two things. One is that the game is called Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE Sharp Encore uh, is the is the name of it. Uh, the FE stands for Fire Emblem, which is bizarre. Uh, just want to preemptively apologize to uh, a couple friends of the show and dear listeners also um, who I'm sure are going to be completely rocked by this recommendation. <laughs> I'm sorry in advance. Um, anyway, this game I uh, wanted to pick up on the Wii U and then did not. Um, I ended up selling my Wii U to a friend of mine, uh, shout out to Christina, who bought the Wii U from me specifically just to play this game. Uh, she got the Wii U just for this. I don't even, she actually, I have all of my Wii U games still. She didn't want any of them. I was like, I will include all of these games for free. And she was like, I don't want them. I just want to play Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which <laughs> ruled. So I, I had a, I have a friend who is a huge fan of it. So I was always like kind of just interested in what the vibe was, I think. And as uh, I've done this show with you more, the idea of jumping into this game has just kind of become like more and more enticing. And the thing that really pushed me over the edge was uh, I saw a review of it uh, that, that was essentially just like it's just a really solid Atlas made JRPG for the Switch. You know, it's like a long JRPG that you can like get into and enjoy. And it's on the Switch, which is like kind of the dream generally, you know, is like I just really want a Persona game to get ported to the Switch. And it seems like that's not going to happen anytime soon. And I have no idea what Atlas is ever doing. But as long <laughs> as this is here, I might as well play it was my thought, yeah. you know. Um, I, I should see what's going on here. Plus, it has the Fire Emblem DNA in there. So it just seemed interesting. Um, but the real thing that was like, this was this was why I picked it up, was I saw a lot of people just say it's like brutally optimistic and just like very nice, you know. And, and in terms of like what's happening in the world and content uh, currently and stuff like that, it was just I just needed something nice, really. You know, I needed something like overwhelmingly positive to, to yeah. wrap myself up in. Um, and Tokyo Mirage Sessions, so is that. I mean, it is it is wild how fun and like positive this game is. So just to like, I guess, wrap up the story in like a, a little tiny bow, um, you're essentially playing as this kid who uh, has a friend in school who is obsessed with an idol specifically, like one specific pop star idol in Japan. Um, and the two of you get sucked into like a kind of essentially just what is a persona dungeon, if I had to guess, you know, kind of like an early like persona, like three or four style dungeon, less of a persona yeah. five style dungeon. And uh, and 
over the course of like traversing this dungeon, you eventually uh, find out that you have this power called Performa, which allows you to summon <laughs> characters from Fire Emblem <laughs> uh, who fight alongside you or fight with you uh, or fight through you. I don't know. It's unclear. But you continue to uh, you know fight your way through and then you get uh, hired by uh, an idol agency, like a modeling agency, essentially. Uh, and you slowly become famous Japanese idols um, while also on the side like solving crimes and jumping into other dungeons and fighting more horrible monsters um, it's worth noting too like the the agency and the idols are also all secretly like monster hunters yes. like in this other world yes uh, they all have they so all have good. the performa ability and the idol sphere yeah the idol <laughs> yeah i think it's yeah the idolosphere or something yeah it's like it's what yeah. it's called uh, it's wild it is like it is so silly and like honestly gonna be real it's not good i don't think the story the like over overarching narrative doesn't seem to be good but at the core of it really are these characters who just like want to be successful and like want to break into this uh into this career path that is like overwhelmingly difficult just like you know the odds are so stacked against you that there's no shot at making it and and it's about them like rooting each other on and trying to uh, succeed there and i think that that's really nice i don't know totally. it's just, yeah. like i uh, nice is a word that my fourth grade teacher would uh, yell at us for using you know because it's like there are so many other words you could use to, de- to describe things that are nice but this game just is nice it is a nice game and that doesn't mean that there's not like some rough shit in here you know like it, it it can get pretty kind of persona e, especially in some of like the boss designs i don't know if you've gone up against any of the bosses yet but like the major bosses definitely have that like grotesque horrifying persona boss shtick to them um, yeah. which is really off-putting and really like surprising in this game and and in the moments where they pop up it's like almost important to have something that grotesque to kind of remind you that this shit is going to be difficult and that what you're doing is not like just a kind of like easy breezy path but all that said, I mean, the, the combat is like it kind of is a mix between Persona and Fire Emblem. Like, honestly, if all the things are happening here, even though there are Fire Emblem characters in the game, uh, this is the thing that feels the most Fire Emblem to me in that it has the classic weapon triangle. Right. So there's the yeah, there's the swords, the lances and what is it? The axes, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, all all kind of affect each other in different ways. Some of them are resistant. Some of them, uh, you know, enemies will be weak to certain ones and whatever. It depends on what they're holding and what you're holding um on top of that you have all the different magic that you can use so you have classic you know fire electricity ice uh was it like death wind uh poison stuff like that so what you're essentially doing is you and your team are surrounding all these monsters and you will have to choose a, a skill uh, or just like attack. Um, but using a skill that the monster is weak against will allow you to chain attacks between all the other people in your party. Um, so the combat ends up being this like really kind of fluid thing where you're just chaining attacks constantly between all of the members of your party and like picking skills specifically that will bounce off each other in really interesting ways. So like, OK, I'm going to use this skill, which I know will kill kill this monster in one hit and that'll chain over to this party member who will use this skill which will you know that monster like the next monster that's going to get targeted will be weak against that one so you can like take out all three monsters in one hit essentially and it's like a thrill it's a joy to to play the combat in this game i it's a thing that i was really surprised by because i find that in so many of these games i'm like so reticent to jump into combat especially considering this is a game where as you're running around you can see the enemies like in the overworld so you can like choose to avoid them if you want to and i 
always choose to fight because I just have such a great time. It reminds me a lot, honestly, of Octopath Traveler and how much I loved the combat at the beginning of Octopath. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, on top of the fact that you can see the turn order and all of those things, which is wonderful. But yeah, it, it's it's just like, I, I think, mechanically really satisfying the entire totally. time. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, all of that is wrapped up in this kind of like nice, like just positive story uh, where like at any point uh, when you're done with with a quest line or when you're done with a mission, you can just kind of like hang out there. There are these uh, segments that are just called intermissions, which just allow you to like explore your relationships with all the different people in your party and even people outside of your party um, and do a bunch of side missions and just kind of like help them out and, and learn about them and what's going on there. And it's really fun. I mean, it, it's it's engrossing in a way that Persona is, but also in a way that's not in any way overwhelming, which I think is the thing that I'm really attaching to. And this is this was my impetus for buying the game for you, because you love Persona and you love the depth of the mechanics in Persona and and Fire Emblem and things like that. Um, I find that this game is almost this is like a different avenue that Atlas could have taken when making Persona 5. I think is a thing that you and I talked about a little bit off the show, but um, there were after Persona 4 and going into Persona 5, it seems like based on the end product, part of the initiative was like, let's pare down some of these mechanics that are a little bit simpler. Like, let's actually give a tutorial to the players. They understand what they're doing sometimes. <laughs> um, even yeah, if that yeah. tutorial block is coming up 10 hours into the game, like it's still better than not showing up at all. If it means that the player will understand this thing, this game is like a completely different way of paring down the mechanics of Persona, because if Persona 5 is keeping everything that was in Persona 4, expanding on it, but explaining it finally. Yeah. Persona. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I almost called it Persona. Um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions is Persona 4, but taking only the, like the most fun, barest elements of Persona 4 and then introducing them in a way that I think is so streamlined that like it, it's almost second nature um, and then and then removing everything else. It doesn't really matter. So you still have a lot of things like you're still, quote unquote, fusing personas. Um, but fusing personas in this case is like every time you fight an enemy, they drop a little like spirit ball kind of thing. And you can blend the spirit balls together of all these different enemies uh, to create new weapons for yourself that you can then master. And when you master them, you learn new skills uh, very much like a like a Fire Emblem, actually, in that case, which is interesting. That's the most Fire Emblem it ever gets. Yes. More on that later. But that's like the the only real visible Fire Emblem DNA here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. So like. I, I find that the fusing of personas can be a little bit daunting right at the beginning. I think, you you know, you get your feet under you eventually and you start to figure it out. But right when they teach it to you and every time I've played a, a persona game, this has happened to me. But I find that that like gets a little bit rough. And this version of it in Tokyo Mirage Sessions just feels very natural. It's like, oh, I've I mastered agree. this weapon. Yeah. So now I just go back and then I, I fuse some more things and then I get a new weapon. It's like very simple, which I really appreciate. Um, on top of that, in Persona 5, Joker can switch his persona at any moment. You know, in, in the event that like you need a different uh, skill set or if you need a different element specifically. And and he's the only one that can do that. That's like his big role, essentially, is that he can switch personas whenever. But you have to like be very deliberate about who's in your party at any given moment in persona. That said, in Tokyo Mirage Sessions, at literally any moment, you can swap out anyone in your party uh, to get a whole new skill set, essentially. So as you continue to grow your party, you can just like on somebody's turn, you can swap them out. And it's not even dunking on 
you for doing that. It's not like, okay, you used your turn to switch this out. It's like even Pokemon is more punishing in this sense. Where like when you switch your Pokemon, like that's your turn. Yeah. In Tokyo Mirage Sessions, you switch your, your party member out and then you still get to attack with them, which is great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you can do that in Persona 5, but like you said, it uses a turn and you also have had to unlock the star confidant to do so. There you go. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I find that like it takes all of the things that I like about Persona and all the things that I... Uh, enjoy about the the narrative side of persona and kind of boils them down into their basis elements um it just it just feels like a refinement of the formula that i was kind of looking for um and i find it really easy to just dump hours into this thing because it's so cut and dry it's so simple i always know exactly what i'm supposed to be doing and at any point where i'm like even slightly confused all i have to do is press the start button and then it brings up your cell phone and then somebody has recently texted you like here's where you're going next you know um (laughs) yeah it's very simple and i really appreciate that about it um because at the moment i just needed a game like this uh i was really looking for something along these lines and i didn't know what Tokyo mirage sessions was before i bought it really but now that i have it i'm so glad that i i I did uh pick it up because it it is giving me kind of everything that i wanted and as you and i have talked about like the characters are not really compelling at the start i think they become compelling just by virtue of you spending so much time with them which like isn't exactly a glowing recommendation but uh i i have come to appreciate all of them especially as i'm starting to go down their side stories a little bit more and starting to learn a little bit more about them um you know every once in a while you'll like take your characters to go to like idol training where they'll like learn to sing and dance and stuff and like they're really putting in like blood sweat and tears into that shit and i just really appreciate that you know i just really appreciate that they're working that hard to achieve this thing that like they they know is going to be extremely difficult i don't know it's fun but anyway all that said the reason i got it for you is because you really enjoy the depth of persona um and i I was cure and also you love fire emblem and i was just curious to hear your thoughts on it because i feel like this is a game that's been tailor-made for me and what i want out of a jrpg (laughs) and i think it might be lacking on your end and i'm really curious to see where you land on it yeah well i mean first and foremost thank you for getting it for me honestly that was very kind of you yeah of course um i think the the comparison you made in passing the octopath is like super accurate for a lot of reasons (laughs) Uh-huh. I think for me, I agree that I, I think the best thing this game has going for it is the combat and especially the the fusion system with the weapons is brilliant. I, I think that that's not only a streamlined version of Persona fusing like I have played uh, at this point. I've beaten Persona 5 Royal recently, too, which is maybe why I, I might have a harsh review on something. So I just came from like mm-hmm. what might be my favorite RPG ever. Yeah, um, I finished Persona 5. I finished Persona 5 original. Uh, I have finished most of Persona 3 and I finished 4. So I played a lot of these games and I still don't truly know what goes into Persona Fusing. <laughs> like, I, it's kind of a trial and error system. And it, it's one of those things where, like, it's hard to gauge how good something is going to be when you're looking at the, like, projected results. Whereas I love the system with the with the weapons where, like you said, you, you can see visibly what you've mastered and what you'll get from the next one. You can also switch back if you want to. Mm-hmm. So like that to me actually is, is a lesson that Persona can pull from this game uh, in the future with with the fusion system and making it a little bit more parsable of like what is actually happening here. Because like. I think it took me finishing Persona 5 to know how fusing worked. Like <laughs> it, going to Royal, I had a little bit more uh, experience under me. I also think that, uh, you know, we, we mentioned how this is sort of like an alternate reality Persona 5. Because this game came out, I think, a year or two before Persona 5 in Japan. Mm-hmm. 
and is clearly like it's actually kind of amazing thinking about how you know i know it's an smt fire emblem fusion but it's clearly going for more of a persona aesthetic and and vibe yeah i did want to mention that i i personally haven't played any smt games so i don't really know what the vibe of those is but i mean i have played persona and this feels so much like persona 4 yeah yeah, for especially. Absolutely. It's just green. That's the thing. This is the thing that you and I talked about <laughs> on the show. But like if Persona 3 is blue and Persona 4 is you know gold or yellow and Persona 5 is red, this is just the green Persona. Um, I mean, I think, you know, if any listeners have played Persona 5 and have gone back in the series, it is huge. Like the quality of life improvements from four to five. I mean. Four came out in 2008, and Four Golden was 2012, and then Five was 2017. So there's a very large time mm-hmm. difference there. Uh, whereas this game, I think, was not too long before Persona Five, and and feels more beholden to that kind of old school formula, but is refining it in ways that are interesting. I think the other thing that this game does very well are the follow up attacks. That is such a cool way to do turn based combat. And is like almost a weird mirror image of the baton pass that they ended up using yes, in five. Yes. Where like I think that thinking ahead one turn, being like, okay, if I do this move now, it's going to trigger this, which will then trigger that. Um, that's a really cool way to do it, and I think that that's something that makes the battles feel really exciting. Um, not to mention like the DNA of like being an idol and being a musician and or, or pop star mm-hmm. is like everywhere in the game. So when battles start, like you're on a stage and there's like you know teleprompters. Or or they're like TV screens of all the characters' faces and like, like a roaring audience surrounding yeah, you and when, stuff. Yeah. Whenever you uh the characters arrive, like Subas is like on a Pegasus, like looking nervous and excited. Mm-hmm. Like all that stuff is great. Um also I, as I, you I, raise I, their star power, uh they start to have like actual almost like WWE entrances, <laughs> which rules. That's amazing. Yeah, so I think like Octopath, mechanically, I'm I'm very much enjoying what this game has to offer. I will say though that like yes, it's streamlined, yes, it's easier to pick up but i i don't think that those quality of life improvements would be noticeable unless you have already played a persona game Mm. i think if you're going into this with fresh eyes it's still going to be overwhelming because you're like what's zeo what is this like i don't know what this means yeah you're probably right Um, yeah and that's where i struggle with like okay who is the target audience here because like part of me would like to think that this is like the entry point to the series like this is sort of like a more lighthearted, easier to parse persona game but it's still very overwhelming and it's not a persona (laughs) game which is i think the important but yeah, this this is this is my big criticism of the game as well is like, I don't know who it's for, really, because it's definitely not for Fire Emblem fans because absolutely not. And in fact, you'll be angry if you expected Fire Emblem from this, which I didn't like I knew enough like the, the Fire Emblem stuff that's here is like all the performers are characters from the series, but they're not even like really they look like personas like Krom is the main character's first performer. And he's like this masked like Dragoon dude. He yeah. doesn't have any Krom vibe at all. Yeah, he doesn't, so he doesn't kinda... really look like Krom that much outside of his hair. He doesn't really act like Krom. And all of the Fire Emblem characters have also lost their memories completely. So they don't even like have the same real vibe or uh, or impact. It feels tacked on. Honestly, wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't even the case in the beginning until like last minute. Like it doesn't feel like the only character that shows up is Tiki, who is like, I guess you're Igor. She's in like the Velvet Room equivalent where she fuses stuff. 
that's basically it. Uh, and, and then there's the weapon triangle stuff, but that's also kind of there almost more aesthetically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like this game. I don't love it as much as you. I think mostly because that the characters in the story are kind of nothing right now, mm-hmm. at least for me. Yeah. I definitely see the appeal of like, this is just a lighthearted, silly escape. And like, I think there's totally a place for that. So I don't want to be too harsh. And again, I just finished Persona 5R. And like the thing Persona does that this game doesn't is like the level of writing in Persona especially in the like quiet moments between characters is really hard to match like Mm -hmm. that game does as corny and sometimes cringy as that game can get uh, and as as tropey as some of the bigger moments can feel the reason persona is so successful to me is that like i know these characters like they are so crushingly human Mm -hmm. They, they share so much of their lives and there's so many angles to them like how they behave in a group versus how they behave like one on one and i'm still very early in tokyo mirage sessions and i'm honestly not expecting this game to hit those notes Not me either. but i think because they're going for that a little bit it stands out yeah so i just think like this is a great game to play just to sort of relax and chill out and like enjoy a really cool battle system but in terms of everything else like i'm i'm intrigued like there's a character who i texted you I'm like i just met the character who's too cool to join in the prologue like yeah she's like the star idol who like saves you and then is like you're level three i'm not joining you yet. yeah she's like actually extremely famous and like just I, saves I already, your ass early on yeah i already love her vibe and i also love your friend who like is texting you concerned and then shows up and is a superhero like yeah there's a lot of fun stuff like that like the, the characters his are appealing side, his side stories i think you're gonna really enjoy when you get to start yeah. dipping into his side missions i think you're gonna be like oh i actually have a better understanding of this dude now because he, he's very silly in the way that you will appreciate <laughs> i do enjoy this game and, and i'm glad you got it for me and I'm, I'm also like definitely wanting to put more time into it i just think in terms of like i struggle to recommend this because again i don't know who it's for and i don't think it's a great entry point nor do i think it's like a sure thing if you like this kind of game mm. um that being said i i love that it's working for you as well as it is and i think that it is like i think the point you and i've been trying to make is like this game is actually held back by its beholdence to the collaboration it should have just been its own series totally agree like yeah. that's separate from both fire emblem and and smt and i actually think um, like removed from the fire emblem and smt stuff even mechanically it might have been a little bit more uh there might have been more freedom allowed to try some more interesting stuff like i really enjoy i I really enjoy the fire emblem mechanics in the combat here but they're not necessary that they're not necessary to the enjoyment you know what i mean it's like classic tight matchup shit and then it's it's really the um like baton pass session move thing that is really like the star of the show that on top of just like the kind of uh, streamlined stuff that you would see in some other Atlas games just like really makes it feel like its own entity entirely. And 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 like if you're going to say that you're a Fire Emblem game and then have so little Fire Emblem in it, then like just don't fucking do it, man. Yeah. So originally, yeah. apparently, Intelligent Systems was going to make this game. Um, it was going to mm. be a collaboration between Atlas and Intelligent Systems um, and it ended up going to Atlas to make entirely. Um, there was going to be a different version of this. I think it was going to be SMT and Pokemon originally, but Pokemon had already like committed Whoa. to doing a crossover with someone else. Um, okay. So they were like, okay, we can't do that, but we still want to like work with Nintendo in some way. And 
I, I read an interview uh, from when this game came out where the lead designer talked about how jealous they were of intelligent systems and Fire Emblem as like a developer and, and as a game franchise in general. Um, and just saying like the actual competition for SMT is Fire Emblem like this. That's who we talk about all the time internally. Wow. Um, so being able to work with them and like learn from them so, so closely was actually really inspiring. So I, I do appreciate it from that perspective. I do appreciate that it's like two like perceived rivals kind of coming together and making a thing. Um, and as I've said many times, I actually really love the thing that it came out becoming. Yeah. Um, but I, I do too. wish that it wasn't called like uh, F.E. Sharp. Like, I wish it didn't have the Fire Emblem stuff at all. I really wish yeah. it was just like, let's come together and make a new thing. Uh, and then, like, let this run as another series of of uh, RPGs alongside SMT and Persona. And then Tokyo uh, Mario yeah. Sessions becomes its own thing. Because even tonally, it's completely different, right? Like, SMT, uh, yeah. as you were saying, is, like, extremely dark. Persona is, like, kind of dark, but is also going for this kind of, like, um, this, like, high school drama. It's a compliment. Drama yeah, it's, thing. Like, yeah. they, they're reflecting of each other i agree i mean i think like even you mentioned that the bosses like have that kind of persona design there's like that weird host who's like hitting himself in the head to be dizzy in this like mm-hmm. piece of armor yeah i love that stuff but it almost feels out of place like i think that this game being its own thing the the characters have such a reverence for pop culture and for idols that i almost wish the performers were musicians you know have david bowie be a performer yeah you know man I mean? like, yeah totally it doesn't make any sense that it's fucking crom like what i totally agree yeah also i think not to do our beetlejuice moment but i think like the true fusion between fire emblem and atlas is three houses like that is the game that is combining the the best of both games this game i think if you kind of blur your eyes and forget what it's what the collaboration is i think you're right i think it is a very cool unique rpg that i would love to see a follow-up on because i think really committing to the musician side of things which the game is doing in name you know the mm-hmm. performers and the idol sphere and the fact that the, most of the main story is like becoming a, a celebrity and the fact that the battles are on stage that's all great but i think like if they were able to do that in every way and like almost forget the like smt and final stuff i think it would be like even better because i think it's it can be totally inconsistent otherwise but yeah. i i mean i think i i do enjoy this game i want to put more time into it and maybe if i do i'll I'll come out a little bit more on your side but as of now i think it's a very solid rpg that i am very happy you got me and i'm enjoying but i don't know if i could say like get this game without yeah. like a few yeah I, I wasn't i wasn't buying this for you with the expectation that you were going to love it on my level um almost the opposite i i just like really 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 wanted your take on this episode talking about it because i knew that i was going to come out of the gate overwhelmingly positive yeah but i i think like the way i look at this game is weirdly the way i look at uh solo the star wars movie um (laughs) in that within the first 10 minutes of that movie my brain just failed to see that dude as han solo and then as soon as like that switch flipped in my brain and i was no longer like oh this guy is trying to be harrison ford playing han solo this guy is just a person who happens to have the same name as han solo but it's a different character i was like this movie rules this is great this is a heist movie set in star wars this is actually my dream so as soon as i removed the han solo aspect from it i loved it and that's kind of how i feel about this game where i'm playing it without really thinking at all about the the fire emblem side of it or like whatever disappointment might come from thinking that there should be more fire emblem in here um and and yeah i don't know with that mindset i i think it's i think it's great um i didn't even mention like some other stuff that like some other quality of life stuff that i really love um there's a point when you unlock 
back at the like uh, headquarters where where uh, your agency is, you can unlock like a special idolosphere that allows you to go in and just grind for experience um, and allows you to grind for weapon mastery and allows you to just fight like the hardest enemies that they can possibly throw at you. Also, um, you have like a bunch of different options when you go in there, what you want to get out of it, which is like awesome. It's really fun to just have this like dedicated place that you can go and just like, yeah, totally get a whole shitload of experience if you want to. And the game is like, you can do this as much as you want. Just know that if you over level yourself, you're not going to enjoy the combat as much when you get into the story again. Like, the, like there's literally a pop up that says that to you, which I really appreciated yeah. because like I went in and I was like, I'm definitely feeling a little bit under leveled or I'm feeling like at level with the stuff that I'm fighting. So I wanted to get like one or two levels above that and just like see how that felt. So I was in the middle of one of the dungeons and I bailed because you can leave whenever you want. Uh, just like Persona and there's no there's no like, uh, you know, day by day schedule thing going on here. So they're not like you're not going to get punished for leaving at any point. So I just left and then I went to the HQ and I like grinded two levels out and then I went back and grinding, by the way, takes like maybe 30 seconds to a minute. Like it's it's not the grinding in that version of the idolosphere is literally like you kill an enemy and then you get this thing called a tome, which is like a rare candy from Pokemon pretty much. Um, so I just like grinded two levels out and then I went back into the into the dungeon and I was like, oh, this is great. I actually love this. This is fantastic. I'm so glad to be here again it's um, awesome and it was awesome it was a great time it was really fun so i mean that even that kind of stuff is like more welcoming to me and i guess you're right i mean i i didn't even think about it from that perspective and i'm so glad you brought it up i am now somebody who has like some jrpg knowledge under my belt you know and i know what i'm looking for especially from an atlas game specifically um so i i didn't need a lot of this stuff explained to me and now looking back i am wondering if this is a good entry point for people who are into this kind of stuff or not but that said, I mean, I personally would recommend this game. I think it's fucking great. And I think it's exactly what I needed right now. Yeah, uh, um, that's amazing. And and I'm I'm so glad to have it. Uh, but that said, uh, I understand if you want something meatier, um, you should probably go get Persona. But also, this is on the Switch. And if you don't have the ability to play Persona because you don't have like the system required for it, this is not a bad fallback. I agree. I agree for the most part. I mean, mechanically, narratively, I think it's not close, but like, <laughs> in, in, in motions, it's similar. Yeah. I think uh, I think the experience of this game shows that there are two really important voids to fill right now. One is a more streamlined version of an Atlas game. Like that deserves to be made yeah. in the way that Octopath Traveler is like a streamlined version of like the hits of Final Fantasy one through six. Mm-hmm. I think too another big void that I would love to see filled that this game partially does is a more upbeat lower stakes RPG. I don't think every RPG needs to have this like end of the world plot. Like I think that sometimes it almost feels bigger when the stakes are more personal, which Persona does very well for most of the game. I think that having an RPG that doesn't take itself super seriously, it's a little bit silly. I I think this game is self-aware a little bit. It has to be. (laughs) I'd like to think it is. I mean, just calling them performers alone is like, okay, like I think this game knows what it's doing. Yeah. But yeah, I think that like it, it's an uneven thing, but I'm glad it exists. And I think that there's a lot to pull from this to be like, here's actually something that happened that's really cool in this game that I would love to see executed elsewhere. So, yeah, yeah. It is also worth noting that there's like not a chance in hell that this game is ever going to see a sequel. It sold so poorly on the Wii U yeah, and also sold, I think, even worse when it ported to Switch that I, I think it's, you know, doomed as as an idea. Um, I, I don't think we're going to see a sequel ever. But if you want to check out a cool time capsule, go check this game out. Tokyo Mirage Sessions, F.E. Sharp Encore. I think I felt a similar way about Gravity Rush 2 and that like it was a similarly doomed game that sold so abysmally. Mm-hmm. But like 
does one or two things so well and is so like kind hearted and positive that like I was so smitten by it. Yeah. Um, I think Gravity Rush has the benefit of being like the only game that has really done that. Like it's, it's so it's so unique and it's central mechanic and does it so well for the most part. But I think there's a place for games to like really try out these new ideas and to and to be positive, you know, especially right now. I think that's important. Yeah, totally agree. Um, you want to take a break and move on? I would love to. See you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Brendan, uh, we're in our spooky season bit here, and uh, I'm so excited. As we broadcasted earlier, we're talking about Alien Isolation today. It's a game that I recently streamed, and, and maybe that might have been my favorite stream I've done so far. It was so much fun. It was awesome. And it's a game that uh, Alien Isolation came out in 2014, mm-hmm. a while ago. was made by the people who make the Total War series, <laughs> randomly. <laughs> it's like all Total War games and this. Um, <laughs> and to my surprise, it sold abysmally, like token raw sessions and it got like fives and sixes across the board it oh did really not do well yeah it got re- at least from a, a couple publications not that like i i don't give a shit about numbers but like that's especially low and now that i played the game is just inherently wrong but that is such a bad take <laughs> to have on this game but i think it's worth bringing up only because i think 2014 was a really big year for horror games so i wonder like what the blueprint was before and what a game like this is doing, maybe it just wasn't, you know. I also think that the the sort of like idea of like jamming this game into one day to review it could lead to frustration. Whereas oh, like yeah, streaming it with friends and just getting swept up in it is a totally different experience. But yeah. Either way, um, I, I've, I've talked about how I haven't played like a ton of horror games. Uh, I, you know, grew up with the Resident Evil series. I dabbled with Silent Hill 2 and 3 and loved them and like a few other games here and there. But I haven't really played a ton of horror games. And I went into Alien Isolation kind of expecting it to be PT in the sense of like I'd be roaming a ship and then at any moment the alien could pop up. Yeah. And like... That was a cool enough idea, but what this game is doing, I think, is so much more interesting and and better than that. You play as uh, Sigourney Weaver's daughter in the canon of Alien. Mm Mm-hmm. And you said it's like a would-be sequel to Alien if they didn't do Aliens. Like that's like the whole premise. Pretty much, yeah. You're playing. You're playing yeah. as Amanda Ripley. Um, so yeah, the daughter of Sigourney Weaver's character Ripley from uh, the Ridley Scott Alien film. Um, and this is a direct sequel to that movie, uh, an alternate universe, I guess, or something, whatever, uh, an alternate canon to, uh, where James Cameron's Aliens doesn't exist, <laughs> which is also great. But I think it's worth pointing out because this game is so interested in and effective at emulating the atmosphere of that first movie yeah for real which are you a fan of that movie are you a fan of that oh yeah franchise yeah me too i like both of them i think they both do different things um i haven't seen alien 3 recently enough to really know how well david fincher did at it but look uh, it has its moments it's not as good as the first two absolutely but uh it's hard to follow there's some good stuff in there i i'm honestly like I'm like a Prometheus apologist also. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I I think that that movie also has some like real high highs, obviously some real low lows in there as well. Um, and yeah. I, I will fully admit and, um, you know, uh, be on the same side as the people who hate that movie about some of those low lows. But um, I think there's a lot of really interesting shit going on in Prometheus. Um, and then 
Oh God, I don't remember the name of the most recent one that uh, Ridley Scott came back to do. But Covenant was it? I think it was Covenant. Yeah, yeah. Um, that movie kind of ripped. Um, I mean, again, I haven't seen it. Some real low lows again, uh, but like some really cool shit going on in there. Uh, anyway, all that said, I'm a big fan of Alien um, and the franchise in general, but that movie in particular, I think it's just unfucking believable. So having a having a game sequel to that is thrilling. To yeah, me. I mean, it's it's you know for those unfamiliar, like Alien is is a straight up horror movie. You know, it's one of the best. Like, I don't know, it's a great movie. Highly recommend if you're looking for a good Halloween watch. Um, yeah. But uh, this game you play is, like I said, uh, Ripley's daughter, who is kind of abandoned in this space facility where you'll encounter like other people trying to survive, which I didn't expect. I thought it was really just going to be me. Yeah. So you encounter other people that, you know, are potentially hostile, depending on how you're kind of creeping around. Yeah. Um, you find quick, supplies. Um, quick, quick setup note. It's worth mentioning the, the way that this is a sequel to Alien is that uh, Amanda Ripley is looking for her mom. Essentially, she has like oh, okay. op- she has opted into going out into space to like try and find what happened to the Nostromo, which is the ship from Alien um, and finds out that there is a space station somewhere in the middle of space that has picked up the black box receiver of the Nostromo, um, which has some kind of information on it that might pertain to what happened to it. Um, so this is like the first real sign that Amanda has gotten that her mom uh, has left a message you know, for her or just in general um, so she can get some kind of closure uh, and then opts into a, a space flight that will take her to that space station, which then brings you to this place. Gotcha. I'll be honest. I kind of just tuned out any cutscene because like I don't think this game is especially good at that. Like the, they're fine. They're not bad. But yeah. I think like the game is so affected in the first person and mm-hmm. like exploration moments. I very um, much agree, yeah. I mean, I streamed this game for three hours and we saw the alien once <laughs> and like, and, and I expected that, but it, it went even a bit farther than I expected. And I think what really saves the game is that there are other threats than just the alien. Yes. You know, like one of the first kind of encounters you have to endure are other people trying to survive and then possibly even scarier than the alien. There are eventually these androids that are like kind of programmed to be like workers, but have kind of gone defunct in some way. Yeah, they're called working Joes. Yeah. And they're like mannequins with glowing eyes, like terrifying. Yeah. And, and it's really great when you first see them, uh, cause Amanda specifically is just like, Oh man, like the company that makes these androids, like it's very clear why they're falling behind. Uh, I almost said Waystar Royco, which is for you succession fans out there. Um, I forget the, I forget the name of oh, Wayland, Wayland Corp from, uh, from alien who, who makes the actual androids that look like people um, gotcha. so she's like oh man it's very clear why they're in last place on the android market right now because like these yeah. working joe things are fucking terrifying yeah yeah absolutely and i mean i think what the game just nails is just the atmosphere the tension like the minute you start playing this game you are so nervous yeah uh, even like it starts off on the friendly ship and it's like get dressed and like look at your computer and i was nervous during all of me that, too yeah yeah know? it's horrifying from go because you just are like oh my god the alien's already here there's no narrative reason for the alien to be there already right, but you're just like right. so sure that this little tiny ship that you're on with three other people already has the xenomorph on it <laughs> yeah and i think the game really does an incredible job of like layering on mechanics slowly like you know you eventually find some more tools that like open certain kinds of doors mm-hmm. uh and they each require like a very tense mini game which like i kept feeling like okay eventually i'm gonna have to remember all this yeah. while i'm being chased and that's so scary the the 70s sci-fi aesthetic is so like the game is beautiful like weirdly like it's very 
pretty, which I think also aids the experience. Because, like, uh, there's one moment where, like, there is this staircase going down and you're, like, right by the sun and Venus or something. It's, like, yeah. this beautiful orange lit thing. And you're, like, wow, this is great. But then when you go back there, you have to avoid pursuit of the alien. You're, like, this area is a nightmare. It's all lit. <laughs> like, I can't hide anywhere. <laughs> you know, the, the mechanics are cool and you'll experience them as they show up. But there's one where you can kind of rewire power just certain parts of the ship system. So like if you do the air purifier, it will fill the room with fog so you can more easily hide. It does a really good job of like teaching you, but also letting you discover on your own. And like, I say this as someone who hasn't played a ton of horror games. Like this game is thrilling to play. Like it is so much fun. It's scary as hell and it's very tense, but like it's a joy. It's so effective. I haven't felt this kind of tension in a, in a game in a long time. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is, is like the fact that you never really know what the threat is or where the threat is. And from what I know later on, the alien has like a very advanced AI. Like I just saw it kind of unceremoniously walking in the distance and that was so much scarier than like a cutscene where it shows up you totally know? yeah i almost feel like the cutscenes are there to give you a break because like you just like okay i'll watch this like you know generic scene yeah yeah, yeah nothing scary is gonna happen in a cutscene it's all gonna happen yeah. in the game um i am i am much further than you are at this point um and i am like fully like one-on-one with the xenomorph really like is kind of where i'm at and and that is getting i i'll i'll say this much uh when the alien first shows up like for real for real like you're you're getting close actually to the mission where it is like you versus the xenomorph and and when that happens it's terrifying in the beginning and then the more times you die it becomes less terrifying which i yeah. you know is I think uh, maybe where some of the the like more negative yeah. reviews probably come from is just like the tension kind of goes away when you continue to see Jaws over and over again, you know, uh, right, which is why right. you don't see Jaws until the end of the movie. Also, on top of that, like the Xenomorph does just still look I mean, they're they're very beholden to the design that H.R. Geiger made for for the movie. Right. And and what that means is that like the Xenomorph in this video game sure looks a lot like a guy in like a rubber suit walking around sometimes. Um <laughs> It's it yeah. can be tense. Don't get me wrong. You don't want to die. Um, but the the more you see it, the less impactful it gets. But that said, the AI is so wild. It is so interesting to just watch this thing move. I've had so many instances where I'm just in a locker looking through the like little vents in the locker, just watching this thing like kind of sulk around the ship. Um, and it is so fucking scary <laughs> the whole time. Uh, it, it is like really thrilling. And, and there are a lot of moments where where uh, they use sound design to like extremely great effect. You were playing with headphones, yeah. which I highly recommend. I have also yes. been playing this game with headphones on. The, the use of sound in this game is amazing. And there's a bunch of options in the menu also uh, to fuck around with the sound and like make it sound even better, uh, which I highly recommend uh, going and messing around with. Um, but yeah, th- th- this game I have just found to be like a constant thrill and joy. And, and to uh, double down on a thing you were talking about, I love 70s like retro futurism um, and yes. for them to commit to like all the computer systems are like big CRT monitors with only green screens on them and, and like all just everything looks like it was built at like ILM when they were making Star Wars. You know, I just like really, really, really appreciate that commitment to this specific vibe because they s- could have so easily gone in another direction, you know, like even Prometheus and, and those movies like have have. Uh, 
uh, at this point eschewed that art style in, in favor of something a little bit more like technologically futurist, I guess. And this game committing to that vibe, I think, is, is really wonderful. And it, it even really has utility, too, because yes, like that's what the, I was about to the say, fact yeah. that it takes a second to load is like nothing in the beginning. But then you're like, I know, like I'm in a rush, dude. I can't yeah. wait for this shitty computer to load. I think like every decision aids the tension. That's what I find so effective about this game. Every like. To the point where uh, you eventually get a motion tracker, oh, which yeah. you can see. Yes, 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 yes. And then not only that, so that's scary in its own. It's a helpful tool, but it also makes it scarier. You can also hold the button to change your focus because like when you're looking at the motion tracker, everything else is kind of blurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they the, the minute you pick it up, there's an android that walks in and goes like, are you lost? And you're like, ah, oh, get out of here, <laughs> man. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think going back to the reviews, uh, recently I, I've seen some articles being like, this game has definitely found a following in later years. And I think it's because of of just how much horror games have kind of evolved since 2014. Yeah. And how unique this game still is in that it's like this really advanced AI kind of stalking you in this environment that has plenty of other threats that you're like, slowly untangling I, I i would wager that i have a feeling that the probably the beginning is more effective than the end based on what you're saying mm. i've i've heard that there's a middle point where the game starts to feel like it's dragging which i think is maybe where i'm at uh, gotcha. if i had to guess but that the end is so worth playing that like it's worth pushing through that point which i think um, is very interesting so i actually do want to finish this game because I, I i a am smitten by it i think it's amazing i'm like so over the moon about it to have a thing this faithfully recreating a franchise I love in video game form is just great by itself. But yeah. also, uh, I just want to see what the end is because it sounds like it's going to be cool. Yeah. I, I, there's also, we haven't mentioned, if you have a PlayStation camera, you can elect options that like make it where if you make sound yourself in your room or move your head, your enemies will notice you, which like, yeah. No, no, thank you. Yeah. But it's amazing if you really want to like turn off all the lights and like do it. It also has VR support, um, which oh my god, I <laughs> no, <thank> just <laughs> find mortifying. Uh, I can't yeah. bring myself to do it. So it's, it's worth noting I'm playing this game on Xbox One uh, because it's available on Game Pass. So I've been playing it there. But it is also available on PS4, which I think I also have it on. I think it was like free from PlayStation Plus at some point. So I think I picked it up there. I got it for nine dollars. Like it, it, I think at full price it's thirty currently, but yeah. it's like always on sale. I haven't checked, but I. I have to assume that they have probably put PSVR support in this thing. Um, so probably uh, probably a good thing to check out. But the really interesting one, uh, if you're looking for a platform to play this on, is the Switch. Apparently, from what I understand, just like doing research about this thing, is that it is like the best port of this game. Like, wow. If you're to play it on a thing that's not PC, the Switch is actually the most like technologically impressive version of this game that exists. Um, there's a really great digital fan. Maybe I'll link to it in the show notes. There's a really great digital foundry video that's just like, how is it possible that it looks better on Switch than on like PS4 or Xbox One? Um, they kind of go into how and why. Um, it, when you look at the side by side comparisons of, of those two platforms, it is really spectacular. Um, so Switch is definitely like a cool place to play this thing. All that said, I I think having it that close to my face, whether it be the Switch or VR, would be too much for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know, this game is just, I I could see this being my gateway into horror games because I had such a fun time playing it. Yeah. I would highly recommend it. I mean, you can get it for really cheap these days. Uh, You know, it's, it's on sale pretty frequently. And yeah, it's just like so masterful in the atmosphere and in like kind of layering on mechanics that 
stayed the atmosphere. Yeah. That's what I'm most impressed by. The cohesion between like logging into a CR monitor computer and like hacking out a locked door and knowing that eventually that's all going to come together. is yeah. like, oh, And it very so much good. does. I mean, I could just tell yeah. you right now. It, <laughs> that's the expectation you have the entire time and it happens and you're not surprised by it. You're just terrified by it. And uh, I think that's good horror. I think, uh, you know, setting that up. I mean, you meet the androids and they're like peaceful first. You're like, I know these guys are going to turn eventually. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then you see it happen through like a vent door. You know, a human's like, why are you being a dick? And then it kills him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah. I also like, I'm as a fan of the movie, I think like our, our, a friend of the show, our friend Dom said that this is his third favorite alien movie. And I can totally see why. Because yeah. like, it's so... It's so effective at what the first movie was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think, too, like just the fact of setting it in space and having that like actual isolation externally as well. Like, yeah. And, and the fact that when you meet other humans, they're like just as scared as you are. So they're not going to work together with you. Like you meet one human who's friendly, kind of Axel, uh, who is doomed to die immediately. And he does. Um, but like everyone else you meet is 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 for whatever reason hostile um yeah and they all have their own behavior so like you know the androids are just sort of program like, once you get to a certain point they're just going to like casually walk over and attack you yeah um the humans if they don't see you won't bother with you they're just trying to make do themselves and the alien is you know doing its thing so like yeah the alien that- is hunting you very much yeah yeah, it's it's so well done. Which it's also worth noting, like just like the Arkham games, there's a lot of vents in this game, uh, and you can crawl through a lot of the vents. And there is literally maybe nothing scarier I've ever seen in a video game in my whole life than uh, having the motion sensor out and realize that the alien is also in the same vent as you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> horrible. Horrible. Yeah. I mean, the scariest moment I think was I was like, I was going to lose. Let me just test this idea. Cause like there's so many lockers and boxes you can hide in. Yeah. And there were like three androids chasing me. So I'm like, let me see is hiding. Like they will like Skyrim lose track of me and walk away. Or because they're in pursuit, well, they know where I am, obviously. And like they open the door and pull you out, and it's like so scary. Yes. Uh, it's, it's really so rough. Yeah, it's really, really yeah. rough. Um, yeah. yeah. The motion tracker, I think, is like the single best achievement in a horror game I've ever experienced. Because like even the moments when you don't know where the alien is, but you pull out the motion tracker and it's like clearly above you and you can hear it above you in the ceiling and you don't know when it's going to show up or how. Um, really, really terrifying. And also when it's just crawling on the ceiling. Ugh, ugh. There's so much happening. Yeah, the like, only thing the game, like the only nitpick I have is like the cutscenes and like the audio logs are like fine. Like they're, they're no need for really audio logs. I do think it's yeah. worth mentioning though. This is a thing that I continue to think over and over again. I was joking about this a lot while you're streaming it, but it reminds me so much of Bioshock in a lot of ways. Yeah. And not just yeah. the fact that it's an immersive sim, but just like appearing on this space station that is clearly like completely gone to shit. Um, people have like spray painted, you know, like weird sayings all over the walls and stuff, you know, whatever it is that they care about from an activist standpoint, I think um, on, on top of like the looters and stuff and like the, the other people that you are trying to avoid and hide from. It just feels so, like the androids have like kind of a big daddy vibe to them. Like there's just like a, a lot of Bioshock uh, DNA in here. Totally. Yeah. That plus Prey um, by Arcane um, really makes me wonder, like, is the reason we haven't seen a Bioshock game in so long because they were like working on a space one? Because that's obviously the next place that they would go after doing mm. under the water and then in the sky, like space is the next place for them to go. Go back to like a system shock kind of thing. 
but Alien Isolation and Prey both exist, so like you can't do it because it's going to feel too much like those games. <laughs> I'm just so curious yeah, to see what the next Bioshock is going to be, honestly, because like it's been in production for an extremely long time at this point. Uh, yeah. And I just I just am like really, really excited to see what it ends up looking like. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I think audio logs are the kind of thing that like, could be great, but like need to have a purpose. You can't just be like, ah, another day on the job. I hate my boss. Yeah, there's like, there's nothing, nothing in. Yeah, the audio logs in this game exist really to just give you a little bit of flavor about what it's like to live on this space station. And like, that's the thing that I'm least interested in. You know, yeah, I, I'm I here to f- see what's going on with Ripley and the Nostromo. And I'm interested in what's going on with the fucking alien that's trying to kill me. You know, like, yeah. I, I want to hear about that stuff. I, I think like this game would be like almost perfect if it was always in the first person no cutscenes, no audio Some, like logs. far cry like, 2 shit yeah absolutely yeah i think that would be but but as it stands i think it's still like it's still a pillar in the genre from a little of experience i think it's it's it does a great job of what a lot of great horror games do where they deny you basic comforts once you kind of get used to them mm-hmm. like going into events for for the first part of the game is kind of like the best hiding spot and the fact that eventually an alien will show up in there is like perfect yeah i think it was silent hill 2 that game is all just checking rooms basically like you Mm -hmm. pull out your map you go into a room and james will check it off if there's like not a weird figment of his like sexual (laughs) repression in there uh without spoiling too much at the end of the game it doesn't matter you'll go into a room and you'll end up somewhere completely different on the map in like a very like twin peaks kind of scary way cool, yeah i really want to play the sound hill games for the show but they're so expensive but i'll make it work somehow but yeah i i, I think that 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 twist of horror games where it's like you had the one thing that gives you security and taking that away or warping it is like so effective yeah and this game does that with the environment you know you you are learning to master the environment meant to make tools but it's all kind of like just delayed enough or annoying enough or like to open a locked door you have to hit two shoulder buttons and left and it's like yeah you won't remember that you know when in the you heat of the moment to. yeah yeah absolutely which I think and, is, and the the hacking tool that little mini game that has also very big like arkham vibes is is wildly difficult when you're being chased by an alien yeah i think even the negative like i went back and read some of the negative reviews and they all like kind of complimented the game's like art style and tension and i think kind of bumped up against like being more annoyed than scared at a certain point Mm -hmm. which i can see but i think that i think that comes more with like expectation and like if you kind of get lost in this game i don't think you'll feel as frustrated at least where i am in it in the first like three hours i think it's like just total horror bliss honestly yeah yeah. i will say uh just from your stream uh there are two moments i think in your stream where you were looking in the wrong direction when the xenomorph shows up uh there are a couple instances in which there was a xenomorph in the room with you and you didn't notice and then (laughs) continued pushing on um it's not like dangerous it's not going to kill you it's like supposed to be like the jaws moment where you see the fin for a second and it just freaks you out um but i was just like this is great because all your all you did for yourself was delay the xenomorph reveal even further than it was supposed to be which i love. I did see it like in my peripheral vision once like as i was near the elevator i saw it kind of walk and that was like so sc- it was yeah. like a not a great movie but the scene in signs where you see the alien walk like a little by bit the in birthday the party tape. yeah <laughs> <laughs> scarier than that but it had that same kind of vibe where it's like that unceremonious reveal is so much scarier than like a big you know like yeah the, the, it was tense when you know uh axel got killed by the tail like i was like oh fuck okay here it is yeah 
but that was more of the game just being like okay now it's here right. and you'll see it again yeah at some yeah point. the moment where it like really for real shows up uh and like comes out of the vent on top of you when you're like hacking into that computer and then you go back out into like the main room where the elevator room is and it's just annihilating the people who were like previously trying to hunt you down is so i think i think at that point you were also like hiding at that point and at that point for me i was so curious to see what was going on down there that i just watched over the side and just watched the alien hunt down all those people and it was horrifying it was that that is the moment for me where i really learned like how dangerous this thing was going to be when i was going to be running from it you know because it was just like it's way faster than you think it is it's way deadlier than you think it is none of the bullets mattered because they all had guns and they were all shooting the thing and all the bullets just didn't matter whatsoever um because i don't think you can kill it as far as i can tell i mean you can't like you get a gun and i was oh thank god but i'm like this is only going to be effective against people who i don't think are even a threat anymore like right at a certain point yeah at a certain point like when are you going to see people anymore yeah like even the androids like i shot one in the head it's like don't do that like yeah. it doesn't, you know, the gun is a facade. I managed to kill one of the androids by, I think, sinking six bullets into it and then whacking it with the with the wrench like four or five times. And then it died and I got an achievement. And I was like, that's what it's going to take every time. Yeah. And there's like usually if you're in if you're being hunted by one, there are like three. Yeah. So it's not feasible. Because they all alert each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's a really good game. If you're a fan of the franchise and you're looking for a good horror game or one or the other, you will have a great time with this. Highly recommend. Yeah, it's super good. I, I am so in love with it and I can't believe that it exists. And I can't believe that it took me this long to play it because I've had it. I've had it downloaded on PS4 for like years at this point. And, and I, I just because my PS4 is in my office and my Xbox is in my living room, I decided to get it on Game Pass and play it on the Xbox so I could have it on like the big screen with my big speakers um, and then also plug some headphones in and turn all the lights off. I just thought it'd be fun. Uh, and it sure was. It was very scary. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's so good. It's so good. You should check it out. I think I think if I had to say like one quote, it's it's a testament to how good video games are for horror. Like it really yeah. like utilizes the medium to aid the genre. It's so well done. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Biohazard after playing this specifically. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's the thing. I'm like, I feel like I set the bar so high with this that I'm wondering if I go in Biohazard, I'm like, is this like is this baby game? Yeah. You know? I, 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 I think that, honestly, it's going to be a little bit like Persona 5 Royal to Tokyo Mirage Sessions for you. <laughs> <laughs> what's that feeling you had that's right you're the first person to compare those two games <laughs> um, let's edit the wikipedia page our, our beloved editor aj lent that to me at the 2019 game of the year episode when we recorded at his house oh wow and i've been meaning to play it just hasn't like it hasn't felt like the right time to play it but now it's perfect so i am really excited that game got like opposite of alien isolation which i like, got fives on ign and it made two dollars yeah like, Biohazard was like the revival of the Resident Evil series. Um, and I think just from the imagery, I think owes a lot to PT, like just based on what yeah, I've seen man. of that game. Um, so I think that that and I think it's sort of like I'll talk about this more when I play it. But I think the idea of like having a family of AI, you know, is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I mean, uh, we talked about Biohazard, um, I guess. Briefly. Yeah. This time last, last year, I played it yeah. um, at uh, at our friend, uh, friend of the show, Pablo's house. Uh, I put his PlayStation VR headset on and played it in front of like a group of people, um, which was a wild experience, by the way. Uh, but I just found that game a to be extremely, extremely scary, um, but b really silly in the way that all the Resident Evil games can be. 
Um, and I wonder if adding that like silliness is going to uh, change your opinion on that or this at all. Um, so I, I, I I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. I could see I could see it aiding it in a different way. Because I mean, like in terms of horror movies that I love, like I'm a big Evil Dead fan. And, like, mm, okay, that yeah. genre is so aided by the silliness. Totally. That, like I think that if it's going for kind of like a Sam Raimi vibe, I would be totally into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think if it's going for Alien Isolation and it's adding silliness, it could diffuse it a little bit. Yeah, I, um, I think it'll be fun. I mean, AJ loves it and he talks about it a lot. Yeah. Pablo also loves it and, and talks about it a lot. So I, I'm excited to hear your thoughts. And another shout out to Pablo when I, before when I was like, I've beaten Persona 5, I've beaten Persona 4, I've beaten most of Persona 3. I heard him go, oh, you're a gamer in yeah. my head. Like when he did in our Mario episode. <laughs> You haunt me, Pablo. I love you. Yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> I think yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. So this Friday, so two days after this episode, I'm going to stream Biohazards if you want to check that out. Yeah. I'm going to do that on Friday night. Spooky. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to check out either uh, Carrion or Necrobarista because um, I have uh, I have Carrion on my Switch and I have Necrobarista on my phone. Um, and considering I'm going to be away for a week, I have to play stuff on my Switch or my phone. So it's going to be one yeah. of those two games. I don't know which one. Yeah, uh, I guess so, so for next spooky episode, we'll do Biohazard and then one of those. Um, I also have a few games like on the backlog. So yeah. we might do two next episode, which could be fun. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, you know, it's getting close to Halloween. You could do more. Yeah, yeah. Exponentially going to increase in, um, in scare factor. I am saving. Uh, it's not really scary, but it's definitely Halloween. Uh, Fear factor. Why did I say scare factor? Fear Factor's already there. Scare Factor with Jim Regan. Um, <laughs> with Brian Regan. <laughs> I'm saving uh, Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow for one of them, which is this will be a fun, like, this kind of. It just has, like, bats in it. It's not scary. It's just going to be fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Awesome. You want to wrap up uh, for, for this segment, not for the episode? Yeah, I would love to wrap up about. this segment. Cool. All right. Well, uh, back into the jack-o'-lantern with all the gooey pumpkin seeds. Play us out, AJ, and or the ghosts and ghouls and goblins. And the Scott Public Domain Band. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Steven, we're back. Um, just want to throw out one huge, gigantic spoiler warning. Yes, absolutely. I was going to do the same thing. Yeah. Out there. Um, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe AJ shouldn't edit this one, but we'll we'll talk to him about it and see how he feels. Hey, we're talking about the end of Hades. I have rolled credits on the game on stream. You can go check that out on YouTube. Uh, Steven has also rolled credits on the game. Um, you have beaten the game since rolling credits, correct? Yeah, I, I've escaped... I beat I beat dad after rolling credits. I have. Yes, yes I have. I have done that two times oh, okay. now wow. uh, because I, I wasn't allowed to play the game off stream. And now I am. So I obviously played it a whole shitload off stream. And I have I have uh, continued my win streak and I have beaten uh, the end two more times since then. Um, so we're going to talk about all the stuff that happens there and just like where we're at with with Hades um, since then. So if you have not rolled credits on the game, um, Unfortunately, this might be the end for you. Unless you're fine just hearing what happens, which is also cool. Uh, so whatever you want. But just wanted to throw out that spoiler warning for those of you who have not hit that point in the game yet. But before we dive into that, the game's real fucking good. Yeah, it's it just gets better and better. I mean, I think like we, I think, kind of broadcasted most of our enthusiasm in our first segment on it. And, have you know, like all games we love, have gone back to it routinely. Yes. I think that just to not dive in fully yet, but just to sort of say like, overall the the ending quote unquote i think the game does a great job at like 
so so for context, you have to escape the underworld around ten times to roll credits. Yeah. For me, I had already put in seventy hours in the game. But I think if you focus on just escaping, like if you don't get wrapped up in anything else, you could probably do it in less. I think like yeah. it took me fifty five attempts. Yeah, to, it took to me a credits, little bit yeah. more, but yeah. So like whatever. So I guess it's probably at least fifty hours to like get credits. I would say. Yeah, somewhere in that vicinity. Uh, depending on how successful you are. But I think... And how much time you're spending in the House of Hades. Yeah, exactly. Not doing runs. Right, yeah. which is what I was doing a lot of. So... Same. I think the game does a brilliant job of... Even when you hit credits, it gives you enough closure that like, if you're good, you could feel satisfied dropping the game there. Like, There's a mm-hmm. version of a player out there, and even a version of myself that's like, okay, cool. Like, that was enough for me. But like the game routinely does, there's still reason to play it you know the game kind of ends almost justifying why you would still play it which we'll talk about more but i just think that's a really brilliant move on the game's part to be like okay we realize now that there are two there are two more audiences you know there are two big groups now of hades players there are the ones that will feel fine dropping it here and then there are ones that will keep going uh and totally dependent on why you're going to keep going there's so much to do so and we'll get into detail like how the game ends i'd love to talk about the ending but I think that narratively, there's still a lot to uncover, at least for me. I still need to wrap up like all of the side stories between like Patroclus and Achilles, Eurydice and Orpheus. And I want to do that. You know, I really yeah. want it, almost more than the main story. I want to see those stories play out. And Same. there's also yeah. now like how far can you push the game mechanically? There are so many more options that like. I think that this game becomes an entirely new game once you beat it where, uh, you know, the narrative has shifted and now there's almost a focus on the mechanic other than the yeah, side you, stories. You uh, described this game to me um, over text the other day as the um, Animal Crossing New Horizons kind of adjacent uh, situation just in terms of like once you beat the game and you roll credits it's almost like the game is beginning now. Like you, you are ending the, the quote unquote game, the narrative of the game where most roguelikes begin in the same way that when you uh, unlock the town hall and you like kind of quote unquote roll credits and get KK slider to show up at, at your town in animal crossing new horizons. Um, that is actually where almost every animal crossing game begins. Is yeah. that exactly that point? Um, and, and I think that's a really apt comparison um the the like big brain blast i had while i was driving the other day just thinking about hades which is a thing that i'm doing a lot now um is that this game to me as somebody who loves roguelikes and has played them a whole lot uh this game to me is breath of the wild for roguelikes yeah i mean this is this is a game that like makes me rethink the entire genre in a way that like almost makes me think lesser of other games when i go back to them um, it's like going back and playing Binding of Isaac, going back and playing even a game like Spelunky, which are, again, games I adore and have sunk tons of time into and like love, 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 love. I, I am looking at them now through the lens of a person who has played Hades and knows what this genre could be. Um, and I think it's going to it's going to impact a lot of my um, thought process when thinking about roguelikes in the future, because this one is just so far and away the best one. Um, yeah. To me, at least, uh, me and, you know, that yeah. that's going to be subjective, you know, to everybody. Totally, um, yeah. But like 
it does a thing that I've wanted roguelikes to do for so long in terms of like incorporating narrative into the constant death loop in terms of just like being uh, so mechanically tightly built that like there always is going to be a way to win um, in, in terms of like eschewing some of the more negative stuff from like Binding of Isaac where like you can get items that will like negatively impact your run like that's not really going to happen in uh, Hades unless you are specifically choosing to take a lot of risks I think. Um, like the game is just so tightly built that the the possibility space is definitely uh, a little bit slimmer than in something like a Gungeon or an Isaac or whatever um, in terms of like the amount of boons and the synergies that you can get there. Like, I think it's a little bit more streamlined. Um, but in slimming that possibility space down, you actually have a more balanced, more interesting game mechanically. Um, and, and I think that like any roguelike that comes out after this, I'm going to start thinking like, yeah, it's no Hades though, um, <laughs> which is like, I think the highest praise I could give, uh, like not just a roguelike, but a video game yeah. in general. I mean, I, I I think a lot of games we've highlighted in their respective genres have done that, and I think it really yeah. is a testament to the power of wrapping narrative around what the game is mechanically, not having mm-hmm. them be separate. You know, we see that in Three Houses, and I would say in my other in my other game of the year, Celeste, we see that in like. You know, what if you take the Massacre platformer and give it a narrative reason? You know, yeah. like uh, Super Meat Boy, incredible game, but you don't really care what's going to happen if you win. It's just it's just for your own validation. Totally. But in Celeste, you do. And then Celeste also ends with like, okay, like you've beaten the story, but do you want to see how far you can push this now mechanically now that you've gotten a taste for it? And that's how Hades kind of ends. So I guess we can get into the ending if you'd like. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think definitely. Um, so th- this is going to be your big spoiler warning. Uh, if you want us to, uh, to hear us talk a little bit more about Hades, uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about it again in our upcoming uh, second to 10th best game of the year episode um, where we discuss games number two through 10. Uh, <laughs> a whole lot. I'm sure we'll also discuss our game of the year, which I'm sure is not a surprise at this point. <laughs> well, that'd be so funny if we just saved game of the year for a different episode, like a two through 10. This is it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is your big spoiler warning. Giant spoiler um, warning. So I guess it, yeah. it's worth refreshing. Like every time you, you reach the end of a run, you fight Hades and then you go a bit further out into Greece and you meet Persephone, your mother. The first time that happens, it's like we we cover that in a previous episode. It's really a beautiful moment and like does almost have its own kind of conclusion aspect to it. Like there's another version of 80s player that could be like, that's a cool enough ending for me to stop there. It's a bit it's bittersweet. I think the game kind of begins there. That's when that's when my understanding of the game and my appreciation for the game kind of like grew exponentially. Mm hmm. That's also when they introduce the heat system. You know, now that Hades has seen you escape, he gives you the pact of punishment, which you can elect to make certain things harder, which I think is, I think that's the thing that all games should do is like, you know, in addition to difficulty mode, it's like, how is it harder? That's actually something that Last of Us Part Two did exceptionally well in terms of accessibility. But in this case, yeah. it's like, how do you want to craft the experience? How do you want to, uh, you know, make this a, a fresher run? And in addition, you get rewarded for it. So, like, if you raise the heat to a certain amount, you know, in the beginning, it's like if you do a run with a weapon, you get you get that item at the end of each area. So, like, if you haven't beaten it with the bow, you beat the first area with the bow, you get Titan blood, second diamonds, and so on. 
But when you raise the heat, it's a new bounty. So you get those items again. So there's an incentive there to get those items by raising the difficulty. But I think it just it just kind of makes the game grow in almost like a Diablo way. Uh, so anyway, as you escape, regardless of heat, you meet Persephone again and again. And, and questions are kind of answered as to like why she left, what was her relationship with Hades. And what you kind of learn is like Persephone and Hades still seemingly care for one another. And and the game kind of the game does what I kind of picked up it was doing early on. And the game sets it up pretty clearly. So it's not like I was, you know psychic or anything hades is definitely a, a bit of a tragic villain in this scenario he has been yeah you know he got the short straw with inheriting the underworld as opposed to the seas and the heavens you learn that he and persephone kind of liked one another and they like basically the other gods namely zeus kidnapped persephone and like threw her in the other world and hades and persephone are like uh this is not how we wanted this to go down but like let's try to make it work and when they had Zagreus, he was initially a stillborn and like that was enough for Persephone to leave and like not want to go back to Olympus either, but just sort of like find a cottage in Greece and chill there and you know, be by herself. Yeah. And Zagreus, meanwhile, you know, defying the fates is kind of gets a second chance of life, but it's like, okay, you can live now, but you can't live on the surface. That was sort of the trade off, uh, which is why whenever you visit Persephone, you die. So it's like a very, tragic tale but but zagreus being as tenacious as he is uh keeps going and i think what's really brilliant what is so clever with the writing what happens subtly is like in the beginning zagreus really is only thinking of himself he doesn't even know persephone is there he is chasing this kind of like white whale idea that just giving him an excuse to leave and to kind of run away from a, his responsibility, and also the people who actually care for him. Like we mentioned this early on, there's this really kind of bitterness with Nyx and with Meg and Than, who are like all characters who like clearly love Zagreus that feel kind of stabbed in the back that he's like leaving them all behind. You know, and and not only that, but making their jobs harder because they right. have to do, you know, <laughs> Meg has to literally fight him every time. Nyx can kind of help him in the mirror, but like is also risking her own security not to mention wrapping up all the gods of olympus in this which is something that we'll address later um but as you escape and as you meet with persephone i think zagreus intentions become more noble he meets more of these characters namely sisyphus and eurydice and patroclus and becomes genuinely invested in everyone's well-being and then the escape attempts are not i'm running away from my dad but they're more, I'm trying to fix this place. Right. And then that literally happens where once you see Persephone enough, you convince her to come back. And she does. And that's how the game ends. You you join her on Karen's boat, which is such a cool surprise. Uh, and yeah. you go down the River Styx together. But while that's happening, you know, it's this really like almost too good to be true moment. And as you're going down the river, Persephone sees all the snow and she's like, oh my God, like there's so much winter like mother what have you done yeah and and the song plays and it's like that's just enough to be like there's still more story you know like you got totally. this like what follows is like a really lovely reunion with hades and cerberus that's so funny because like hades is there like almost with a pout and is like ready to apologize to persephone and all persephone cares about is seeing cerberus again it's yeah. it made me laugh out loud yeah me too it was so great to, to, to wrap up quickly basically what happens there is persephone like agrees to join the underworld gets a 
fucking rad underworld dress. She looks so cool. <laughs> uh, and she becomes like yet another character you can like give Nectar and unlock their story. But Hades and Persephone are kind of like, hey, first of all, she makes Hades apologize to you, which is a big moment. Yes. And Hades is kind of like, hey, I kind of like you escaping the underworld. It, can you keep doing it? It actually like exposes flaws in our security. And if this place really is meant to be inescapable, I want you to help me make it so. And Persephone is like, and if you keep doing that, we can keep this guys up for the Olympians so they never find out why you're doing this. And I can, in the meantime, figure out a way to appease them. So that seems like the big chunk of story left in the main story is like, how do we keep this facade up with the Olympians, which I know they address. Like I know that actually that that is addressed later on. Oh, cool. I'm actually really excited to find out what that is. Yeah. That's like the last major beep. Everything else now is like you just exploring the mechanics of the game you pushing the game as far as it can go and all the characters in your hall kind of rooting you on. It becomes a much more positive experience, weirdly. Yeah. Uh, which I've been really enjoying. And and I, I still want to see all the wrap up of like the side stories, but I think like the game begins with now the furthest extent of options. You have the heat, you have extreme measures, which like change the game completely. They add varieties to the bosses, different phases for the bosses. Uh, and all the characters still have something to say. It's really beautiful. And like, again, if you want to drop it at the credits, you can. Like, you see this lovely painting of Persephone and Hades and you together with Cerberus. Like, mm-hmm. it has a nice bow for Zagreus' story, but there's still so much in the world left to do that like i will not stop playing anytime soon yeah and and this is what we mean when we say that this is like a, a, an animal crossing new horizons moment is like as soon as you roll the credits suddenly you're left with just like the game mechanically pretty much like yeah. as you said there there are still some narrative uh loose ends to kind of get tidied up but for the most part it really just is you just get all of the mechanics at your disposal and now you can play the game however you want which is pretty much just how every roguelike begins yeah every roguelike generally just starts with like okay here's the game mechanically good luck hopefully you make it to the end um and and the fact that 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 beginning is where this game ends is really really beautiful and then like it really for me so far has just become about like maxing out the relationships with people um yeah. i started getting the summons as you started talking about oh yeah um, and and one of the big things for me is I'm unlocking all the secret aspects for all the weapons. Yes, they're um, so cool. So all, all the weapons have different aspects, uh, and the different aspects will allow you to do certain things. So, for example, there's the fucking gun that exists in the game, uh, and the gun you shoot bullets, and then your special shoots like kind of like lobs a little grenade. Um, and one of the aspects of that gun, for example, uh, makes it so when you stand where the grenade explodes, you actually do extra damage for 10 seconds afterwards, which is just like a wonderful thing. Um, I have now unlocked the secret spear aspect, the aspect of Guan Yu, which is really wild. Um, and and allows you to like regain health if you use your like special spin attack on people but also it lowers your max health from 100 to 30 uh which is like brutal um so i beat the game with that which then allowed me to unlock the uh the sword secret aspect which is the aspect of arthur which is just excalibur and it's like oh this sword was sent back from the future somebody will have this eventually which was like amazing yeah it's worth noting all this all the hidden aspects are from different mythologies and folklore yes which is so cool so like it's amazing yeah Yeah. arthur is one of my favorites because that makes the sword really heavy so it's like it's really slow it's a completely different rhythm like all the weapons are pretty fast except for that one but i really love it and yeah like making excalibur makes this like aura on the ground appear that makes you have higher defense and it slows enemies down 
It's really yeah. cool. It's awesome. It's an awesome weapon. There's this like beautiful like choir that plays every time you use your special and like create this aura. It's so fun. Um, and if that's the level of like mechanical depth I'm going to get from all the secret aspects, then I cannot wait yeah, to I get the other ones. I haven't unlocked all of them, but I just got the ones for the bow and the fists. Do you want me to tell you what they are? Do you know? Yeah, 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 please. I would, I would love to know. Yeah. So the bow is the aspect of Rama, which is from Hinduism. And what it does is your special, usually the special for the bow is like a volley shot of like a, you know, kind of spread of a bunch of arrows. This one is singular. It does does a bunch of arrows on one target, but it marks them in a way that whenever you do damage to any other enemy, that enemy also takes damage. So like... (laughs) It's, That's so fun. It's, it's very interesting. It's it's you have. To, I think it. I think it pays off in boss fights like Theseus and the Minotaur and Hades, where like there yeah. are other enemies you can do that will like make them all take damage. Um, and the aspect of the the hidden aspect for the fist is the aspect of Gilgamesh, which are just like bear claws basically. And I think they make you when you do your special, you maim a target, which like makes them able to do more damage for a little bit, but they eventually take a burst of damage. That Mm. coupled with all the doom effects from Ares is like you hit them once and then they just explode, you know, like it's really, (laughs) and and what's interesting is like all the, all the hidden aspects have some kind of trade off. Like Arthur's a little slower. The spear gives you the deduction of health and, you know, maiming makes them powerful, but like, that coupled with the limitless possibility of the Daedalus upgrades and the boons like makes for really, really cool experiments. Like there really isn't a definitively best weapon. It just depends on what kind of build you're going for. Yeah, I know the um, I know the the rail aspect is called the aspect of Lucifer. Oh, amazing. Which rules, but I, I don't know what it does, which is exciting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to unlock that one. Yeah, I, I'm just like I'm just so floored by how much depth those hidden aspects are, are giving me um, that plus the packs has just like completely uh, smitten me all over again. Um, as we, as we've said in every segment about Hades so far, it's like every couple hours, there's just a new thing that completely like reframes the way you're thinking about the game or playing the game. Um, and I'm loving it, loving it, loving it now. So I just did run, um, well, I did a run with the aspect of Guan Yu, which was really fun, uh, really difficult. It was really hard. I didn't even I didn't even use any packs for that one just because I was like so unsure of my ability to survive with only 30 health. Yeah. And and it really took a lot of like making use of of the uh, the revive special attack, which is very difficult to do because it takes a long time to charge up and use. Um, so it, you got to be very, very careful. I know that's about a weapon it. you got to use a stubborn defiance. It feels like because, you know, you don't want to burn through your death defiances early on. I sure did use it with death defiance uh, and it was rough. Um, <laughs> okay. it, was a, it, was, it was definitely very difficult. Yeah. My, my boons weren't very good. I don't know. It was a wild run. But anyway, um, then I did it again. I, I, I ran the game again with the aspect of Arthur, which I had just unlocked. Um, and I did that one with a bunch of packs. I did that with extreme measures and I did that with, um, I forget what it's called, but it's the one that makes it. So every enemy will take one hit. They're invincible for one hit. Um, so you have to like get rid of this one hit of invincibility before anything else. And the first thing I got as soon as I started my run was the Daedalus upgrade that makes it. So your special attack hits twice, which meant that I had this big area of effect that would hit once to get rid of everybody's invincibility and then immediately hit again to like create the aura around me. Um, it ruled. It was such a fun run. It was really difficult because that sword is so slow and it's hard to get used to. But it was like such a wild time. I, I love those hidden aspects. And on top of that, now I like I unlocked Meg's summon, 
um, which is great. The first time I ran uh, all the way to the end of the game, I tried to use it on Hades and then found out you can't use the summons yeah, against Hades. Not. Which makes sense narratively. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it was just really, really funny um to use it and then have hades go you won't be getting any help boy i was like yeah. oh fuck all right i also i have uh i have megs and skellies and uh oh nice if you mind do you mind telling me what skellies does no go for it please skelly you summon skelly he shows up and he basically draws all enemy fire onto him cool uh which is great for something like you know the the witches in asphodel where they're like everywhere yeah yeah, and yeah. there's like a bullet hell um but what's funny is like doing that in the theseus minotaur fight theseus is like what hell spawn is this (laughs) it's so it's so good um i know that than and sisyphus and i think achilles also have one um and i know for fat sisyphus is is so unreal i will not spoil that i haven't gotten it but i know that's what i'm working towards at the moment i have i've maxed out sisyphus's um relationship meter at this point and i don't know how to progress it yet so i'm like trying to Is figure out a how to do that. yeah i'm at yep. that like pretty much the every every side character like eurydice orpheus sisyphus achilles Petro- actually patroclus isn't there yet but everyone else is like right by a loctar yeah i'm like trying to figure out the achilles one also because i'm at the loctar with achilles i think you also have to hit the loctar with patroclus and then just like keep playing the game until eventually the dialogue shows up if i yeah. understand correctly um sisyphus i'm i'm curious about i keep giving nectar to boldy um, just to like see if that does anything, which I mean, first of all, it does do something. I mentioned this, I think, in the last segment we did about Hades, but you get like a, a special boon from Boldy if you if you give it some nectar, which is great. Uh, so I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on with Sisyphus there because I really I really want to get that summon and figure out what's going on. And this um, this is what makes it so hard to talk to people who do. Like I have a friend who just picked up this game. And he's like, "What weapon's your favorite?" I'm like, I can't even answer that without spoiling. You know, like I can't. <laughs> Like the things you think this game is like the game, you know, will change so dramatically. Yeah. Um, and that's what I tell people. I'm like, as soon as you think you get a hang of it, it will grow in a good way. But I, I will say, like, if anyone listening here is like not where we are in the game, but is fine with spoilers, like you will get here. Like it, the game does a great job of making what seems unattainable eventually routine. Yeah. That, like. The more you play it, it's not even like, a, oh, you'll get better in a Dark Souls way. Like, you'll just eventually, it will eventually click between you understanding the game and just like getting a good run. Like, it will eventually click. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think it's, it's, we talk a lot about the narrative and, and a lot about the mechanics. Um, but, but the thing that I, I really want to drive home uh, amongst everything else is just the balance in this game is second to none. I mean, there, there is no roguelike I've ever played that, that feels so natural as you continue to progress and get better. Um, I mean, to the point where multiple times on this show, I have said, like, I don't know if I'm getting better or if like the boons are getting better or if the mirror upgrades are making me better. Like, I don't know which of those is happening. And it's possible it's all of them simultaneously wrapped up in a way that's so subtle that it's like hard to untangle it. But if that's the case, that's also brilliant. That's good game design. You know, that's like that's the amount of thought that would need to go into making a game that would have that effect on you is is unparalleled, you know. Um, and, and I, I, I really think that that's super special, which is why I don't have a hard time recommending this game to people who don't like roguelikes or have not tried one before. Totally. Cause like literally worst case scenario, you put on God mode and you get a 2% damage buff every time you die forever, which means that eventually you'll see it all anyway. You know, like they even built in a way for people who find roguelikes too difficult to see what's happening in the story anyway. Um, 
And then outside of that, if you are a person who only likes the mechanics of a roguelike and doesn't care about the narrative, that's also possible. I was just listening to the um, the Waypoint Hades spoiler cast that they did, um, which is interesting because none of them have rolled credits yet. Uh, so I'm excited to see what they think about it after that. But yeah, Patrick Klepek, who uh, is like one of the biggest roguelike fans I, I know of, at least like in kind of the the industry of journalists at the moment. Um, he, he's done a lot of like Spelunky streams and stuff like that. Has talked about he doesn't care at all about the narrative. He just thinks that this game is like thrilling from a mechanic standpoint and skips all the dialogue and stuff and just like loves doing runs, which like those people exist out there. And this is a great game for that too um, because it, it is really just taking what is wonderful about every roguelike and mashing it up into like the perfect distilled version of itself uh and, and it pains I, I me a bit it. to hear that but i appreciate that you can still find something to enjoy that's what i mean that's that's what i'm saying though is like even even if even if the narrative isn't for you like the game is still incredible but yeah i, I know what you mean i mean i think it meets you where you're at with where your interests are yeah it's it's, it's an amazing video game um and i'm gonna be playing it for a long time i mean i, I mentioned this at the end of my stream when i when i rolled credits on it but like i i'm probably just going to keep streaming this game in the mornings because it's so it's so i fun love your still. morning streams they're they're a really great routine for me as well yeah thank you uh yeah they're they're so fun to do and and um hades is like constantly interesting um and with the packs of punishment and like going in with specific goals now is really cool you know um like i have not maxed out orpheus and eurydice like even remotely close uh, you know, I, I think I've given them each one nectar to get their keepsake and that's it so far. So like, that's one of the things I really want to do. Um, like I said, I'm getting close to the Achilles stuff, but I think I have to like max out Patroclus first. Um, Sisyphus, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. There, there's so much, like, I just got the, did you get the Hades keepsake? I did. Yeah. I mean, amazing. It gives you the ability to yell darkness and become invisible. <laughs> <laughs> I should think the uh, Persephone one is is better, but I do. Like, I've been using. I've been like yeah. really only using the Persephone one ever since I got yeah. it. Yeah, that's another. Thing. I've been trying to max out all the keepsakes as well because the more you use them, the better they get. Yeah. So like, I've just been running with like a bunch of them to get to three stars. Yeah, I'm also really enjoying just buying all the cosmetic upgrades for the for the House of Hades too. I just think it's really fun. Yeah, I mean, part of me wonders too with the bonds like. If the going back to the narrative, if the way to escape the Olympians wrath is just by like getting close to all of them as like a person mm. and then being be like, oh, you're fine. Whatever. We'll just keep doing it. <laughs> that could be it. Yeah, that's that's actually yeah. really interesting. I didn't even think about that. We'll see what happens. But I mean, I, I've maxed out my bond with Zeus and Artemis. And I love whenever you max it a bond, there's like a little chibi drawing of the character on their keepsake. And it will say you share a blank bond. So for Meg, it was you share an intense bond. Mm. For for Charon, it was you share an unspeakable bond, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> I've, I've maxed out Zeus, Artemis, Meg, Skelly, and Charon. Yeah. Those five. Have you stolen from Charon yet? Yes, I have. And How did oof, it go? I haven't done it yet. Uh, he's real tough. So I stole from him with on a heatless run. It was heat zero. Mm-hmm. And I had pretty good upgrades. I got him down to half health and died. Wow. He is harder than Hades. Cool. He's probably the hardest boss in the game. That's awesome. That's so And fun. I can only imagine on a higher heat how brutal he is. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, that was one of those things where it kept popping up on runs on stream. And I was like, I am really just trying to gun for the end right now. I can't I can't find out what happens when you steal from Charon. Um, but uh, I, I ended up finding out. I, I forget how just inevitably uh, that you end up fighting him if you steal from him. So I'm really glad it's another, I didn't do it's it. another fun variable. It's like, are you so confident in your build that you think you can take care on too? Yeah. 
Uh, and like the answer usually is no. Yeah. Like you almost always get punished for it. I also unlocked the Erebus gates. I don't know if you've done that yet, but I um, haven't. Yeah, it, it costs uh, what is it like five diamonds or three diamonds or something? Like it's really yeah. expensive. Um, and I think you have to have a certain amount of heat to be able to go in them. Also, depend. Yeah. So to go, so the Erebus gates are kind of like chaos, but rather than expending health, like you said, you need to have a certain heat to go in them. Uh, in Tartarus, you need to have a heat of five, and then the higher you go, the higher the heat needs to mm. be to go there. What it is is when you, I've only done it in Tartarus, but when you go in the the gate, you go to Erebus, which is like the darkest part of the underworld. Cool. Hades gives you a challenge, kind of like the the when you steal from the chest. Yeah. So the, I did one, and he was like, "Okay, don't get hit." He's like, "If you don't get hit, and then you, the reward you get is usually like real good." Um, like but what if kind you of real failed, good? Like, I think I got 300 gold or something, or okay. maybe not. Yeah, that's pretty good. Usually, it will, it, kind of like a room, it will broadcast what you're getting. So, if it's like a boon, I imagine it's at least rare or higher, mm-hmm. you know. But if you fail, you get an onion, which just cures one point of health. That's all it is. <laughs> and and the enemies you fight in an Erebus gate are the next area's enemies. So, you're fighting Asphodel enemies in Tartarus. That's really cool. And And, you know, so on. So they're really cool. It's a fun. I was kind of exciting to see like, oh, there's going to be another character. There's going to be like a chaos gate. It's not, but it's, it's definitely an, a fun variable to like push your luck. Yeah. And like, I think 32 is the highest heat. So, you know, once you're at that, like everything is, you know, going off in all directions. It's, it's very exciting. Yeah. I'm on the, I'm on the Hades wiki right now. Just looking at the stuff that you can get. So you can get rare or epic boons. Uh, or your chance of getting rare epic boons is increased. So that that's one of the options. Uh, you can get a palm of power that uh, is like the special one that you get from the end of the game that raises two levels instead of one. Uh, or you can get 200 coins instead of 100 coins. 200. That's, I think that's what I got. And then, the, yeah, and then so. the onion, which gives you one point. And then also, for some reason, uh, that is the only place in the game where one of the next rooms can give you food as your reward. Oh, interesting. So like it just so. allows you to heal if need be. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that makes sense. It's like, okay, you got rewards for like the equivalent of two or three rooms. Like, let's heal you up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's an incredible game. Um, I think that the fact that it ended and I still want to keep playing is a testament to it. Um, I will eventually reach a point where like, I think once I max out the keepsakes, once I max out the relationships, I'll feel content moving on. But that's going to take a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, too, like, just it, it eventually will slowly become the score. Like, like you said with Patrick Klepek, it will become like a score chase, purely mechanical experience if you want it to be. Totally. Um, so as much as I'm enjoying the narrative, I think that that option existing is is interesting. So, yeah, yeah it's. It's a good video game. I like it a lot. <laughs> Expect more on it in a game of the year episode. OK. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough of it. I, it's generally when we bring a game to the to the show three times uh it means it's pretty good so (laughs) i mean this is clearly the three houses of 2020 for us yeah i I think so i think that's fair to say yeah uh the two through ten will be the surprise (laughs) (laughs) but we'll see i mean there's still a lot of the year left and there's still a lot of games we haven't checked out yeah 13 sentinels aegis rim Aegis Rim, uh, Age of Calamity. Uh, I haven't played Ghost of Tsushima yet. A lot of stuff. Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, you want to wrap up? Yeah, I think it's time. Let's do it. You go. go. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll go. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. We uh, we always have a great time doing the show. We appreciate the support lately. Um, if you like the show, share it with a friend. It's the best way to help it grow. 
reviewing on Apple Podcasts out of five stars also helps kind of. Uh, if you feel inclined to do that, that's really nice. We've seen a couple of recent reviews. Thank you for doing that. If you want to follow us anywhere. Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> just to let you know what just happened visually for me. Brendan, to the camera, put up uh, a copy of Gravity Rush 2, a, a favorite game of mine, which I also recently beat. Uh, ending bananas, like not good, but still a wonderful game. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. And I think eventually you can just fly around and do stuff, which is the best part of it. Um, but I love that game. Highly recommend. You can get it for real cheap. He showed me a copy of Gravity Rush 2, a favorite game of mine, and then pulled it away to reveal Anthem underneath, <laughs> which is the equivalent of when my sister one Christmas gave me a present. I opened it. It was Bring It On, In It to Win It, the fourth one. And then she went, which I didn't want, yeah. obviously. And then she went, oh, wait, that's for me. And then took it away from me. So I was like, <laughs> given an on sequitur and then robbed of it. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Into the Cast. Uh, if you go to IntoTheCast.online, uh, that's the links to everything. It's our Twitter, our Twitch, which we've been much more active on. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm going to be streaming Biohazard on Friday. Brendan's going to be resuming his morning streams eventually. Worth touching on that while we're talking about Twitch. I think... In November, once I get my Series S, once I get that all set up, I'm going to find a day to do the long playthroughs, to do the like Oblivion or Mass Effect, like start to finish yeah. playthroughs. Um, Friday might be the day, honestly, especially like pandemic life, you know, like I'm not busy on Fridays, <laughs> so that might be it. But I'll, I'll definitely find like a dedicated time for that. Yeah. Uh, but for the remainder of Halloween, I'd like Friday nights for the scary games. It's been fun. Um I think in general, I could see us sticking to a you in the morning, me in the evening vibe for some reason. Yeah, that's um, cool. But we'll keep you posted on the schedule. Uh, join the Discord. It's a lovely place. Uh, it's a really, really fun time. And I think that's it. Oh, the page, thank you for our generous patrons. Uh, our Patreon exists to help the show grow, not to sustain it. So if you have to back at any point, we won't take it personally. But when you back it, we're able to do stuff like streaming, like making the bonus episodes, which are available for everyone. Uh, we're really excited for a bonus this month. We have at least one of the... Oh, man, the year's almost over. We have almost one of the two remaining bonus episodes planned for this year, so that'll be exciting. Um, yeah. And yeah, we're just so thankful for everything. I, I, we appreciate the support, like, means the world, and uh, yeah, that's kind of it. I just remembered what our December bonus episode is going to be. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. Ugh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I, I feel the same way as Steven. Um, it's cool. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, as always, we're so, we're so grateful to have you. Um, into the cast online so links to everything that you need baby join us join, join us. us join us join us uh, next week I guess we'll broadcast a little bit you'll definitely hear about biohazard in the spooky segment uh, I will probably try to play 13 sentinels in the break I, I purchased and downloaded it yeah. so thank you all to recommended <laughs> it we'll see if that pops up yeah I think uh, how maybe often one do you other... get games that you don't bring to the show out of curiosity, very rarely. There ha really, I, I mean, it happens to I me a lot. I found there are there were a couple that I got excited and and didn't like enough that I didn't bring it up. Yeah, that happens rarely. Like there are sometimes there are games where like I just don't know if it will make for a good episode. Like there are plenty of games that are like I like, but I'm like not sure how much I can talk about really. You know, mm. but every now and then there's a time where I get something and I'm like, oh, this is kind of rough. I don't know if I could 
in good faith bring it to the table unless there's something to highlight. Yeah. Like I got I got Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 Complete Edition for the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Did not talk about that. I have been playing it, but I didn't talk about it. Super Mario Brothers 35. I've been playing a little bit of. Didn't talk about that. It does it does happen to me more frequently than not. I, I have found. Yeah, I pretty much I pretty much talk about whatever I'm doing. I do occasionally I'll play like in the fighting games are the big hidden secret for me, mm-hmm. which I would love to talk about more because um, I'm like, you know, weirdly into fighting games secretly. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do another DBZ stream again now that I'm like kind of back on my feet? A a Halloween Beerus. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Beerus rules. My team right now is Videl, Beerus and Piccolo, which like it's great. feels so great to me. Yeah, because like. I don't think Piccolo or Videl get enough victory. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I like playing as this kind of character. I agree. Because Piccolo is like the opening act for Goku so often. Like, <laughs> you know, a villain shows up, Krillin tries his best, gets killed. Everyone else is a clown. Yeah. Then Piccolo shows up and like holds them off a little bit and then Goku shows up. I think they just added Dragon Ball Super to Hulu. So if Ooh. you if you want to see Piccolo really shine, the last arc of Oh good. I'm glad Dragon I'm Ball so Super glad. is literally just like everyone from the main cast like really taking center stage. It is unbelievable. I've always loved Piccolo. Like Krillin I love because he's like the Samwise of DBZ. Like he's mm-hmm. just brave and like has everyone's back, Ugh. even though he, Krillin he's Krillin and Super is so good. Ugh. Um, but Piccolo, like, I think, cause he never gets like a, like everyone else gets like eight different super Saiyans, but he's just always Piccolo, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that for him. If he shines in super, I've only, the only episode I've seen of super is when, uh, Goten and kid trunks try to find perfume for Videl and they go to the swamp and fight a monster. That's and the get, pilot. Like, That's the pilot of super. Yeah. It's the first oh, episode. Okay. And then, uh, Goku gives Hercule a bunch of money mm-hmm. and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. Um, the vibe of Dragon Ball Super is unbelievable. That was like the the thing that got me through last winter was just like watching a shitload of Dragon Ball Super. Oh, and I watched Beerus shows up. They're all on a cruise. The the uh, yep. Goku and family and Vegeta are all on a cruise together, and Beerus shows up, and Vegeta is like terrified. Yes, of, it's yes. a farce, really. Like Vegeta is like the maid of this of this British farce, and he's trying to make sure nothing goes wrong for Beerus. Because he knows Beerus can destroy the Earth if he's, like, in a bad mood, Mm -hmm. you know? So, like, he dives into the... Like, I think Majin Buu eats all the appetizers. So, Vegeta dives into the water, throws up an octopus, puts on an apron, and makes tokoyaki. Yeah. And meanwhile, Videl... Oh, excuse me, not Videl. uh, Bulma and Beerus are, like, hitting it off. Like, they're, like, laughing. Yeah, just immediately, like, famous friends. Yeah. Bulma, I think, has always had this vibe to her that she's, like, like... all the women in DBZ are always kind of like laughing at whatever the stakes are. They're like, these guys are just playing in their backyard. Like, absolutely. We know they're going to be fine. This is just like a weird, like, like uh, Nathan Drake in his attic with a Nerf gun. <laughs> you know, like, this is nothing. <laughs> and yeah, I just like Bulma and Beerus like chatting it up on a cruise. It's like my, like the slice of life shit in DBZ is actually good. Yes. Like, it's so great. And there's, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it in Dragon Ball Super. And then it ends. I have to watch. I'll, I'll just, I'll just say the, the like vibe of this. Uh, I won't tell you really anything else about it, but the, but the last arc of Dragon Ball Super is this thing called the Tournament of Power, which is, um, Every universe has a god of destruction like Beerus, 
um, and and an angel who's alongside them, which is Weiss in in our case, I guess, quote unquote. Oh, okay, interesting. I always thought like, what is Weiss's vibe? Because he seems even more powerful, but he doesn't do anything. He is, yes, he is, um, which is great. Uh, Weiss is kind of like the the like angelic ward to the to the god of destruction, Beerus. But anyway, all the all the um, all the universes uh, compete against one another. And they get their 10 best fighters and then they all have to do like a battle royale together and they have like 24 hours to see which uh, which universe is the best Um, and any universe that loses gets eradicated completely. Um, Oh, my God. It is horrific and the stakes are so high and it is wild the whole time from like beginning to end. It is just like constant, constant, like nonsense, incredible, good Dragon Ball Z shit. Um, and it is like the best thing that they've ever done. And it's clear to me that they should never make Dragon Ball Z ever again, because like that is the best thing that they've ever done. And they should they can't top it. There's actually not a way to top what they did there. So they just yeah. shouldn't try. I think. I, also, I think the animation, too, is beautiful and super like it. it yeah, feel, like gorgeous. There's a lot of stuff in Z where like they just have a close up of Trunks's face for like a season and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but super is like they have probably have a higher budget. So, yeah. It's awesome. And then there's the movie, the Brawley movie. This is also really good. Ooh, yeah, Ugh. man. You got me excited. I think Beerus is the best, like, new addition to the characters, like, in a long time. Like, he's, I mean, spoiler alert, very jellical. And second, <laughs> you know, he's just, like, I love this sort of, like, bored god. Like, that's, like, my favorite vibe. Like, yeah. You know, he saves Earth just because he likes sushi. Like, incredible. Yeah. Amazing. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, Whis is definitely my favorite new addition, but Beerus is a close second. Uh, anyway, thank you all so much for listening to the video game podcast. <laughs> Look Aether. forward to our spinoff uh, Dragon Ball Z podcast, uh, which honestly I joke, but like could probably exist in some <laughs> in some universe. Um, I would love to do that, but anyway, into the Z. <laughs> <laughs> okay, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> uh, farewell. Garbage dot online.